everybody, and welcome back to Prequelizers, aka Season 6 of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers, and joining me, also as always, is Mr. Matthew Stockton. Podophilia! (laughs) (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Yep! Yep, that's what Matt came up with. (laughs) In case you're worried about Googling that, it's uh, a love of feet, so, because she wants feet. Carry on. (laughs) I hate you, Matt. I hate you so much. Yes! I hate, I hate you with all my heart and soul. Midway through the season! Come on! <laughs> yeah, this is this is part two of season six, isn't it? So, uh, yeah. Matt's just taking a big nosedive in <laughs> professionalism, apparently. That's, I'm just going to wing us. <laughs> we get from here. But don't worry, it's not just me and Matt. Joining us, as always, thank God, to save us from Matt's terrible intros, <laughs> is Tim Matum. Everything's better down where it's wetter. There we oh, go. Oh, Tim, you <laughs> smarty go. fuck. There we go. Podophilia, I, I, don't, Tim, know, I right? don't know who was grosser slash sexier. <laughs> it's hard to tell. It's the combo. <laughs> if you haven't already guessed from Matt's gross foot reference, <laughs> this week and Tim's sluice gate. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, sure. This week we are fixing Little Mermaid three. Also known as Little Mermaid, Ariel's Beginning. Because it's a prequel, so we're doing it on prequelizers. Yes. Yay. As, as voted for by our Patreon. Patreon. Yes. yes, yes. Thank that you. Was, it was a while ago, actually, on our, on our Patreon. Yes, we gave it was. some options of some animated films, and this was your choice. So One, one day there will be a, a listener vote episode that isn't like an animated sequel. <laughs> nah. Never. Um, this actually is quite an interesting one to discuss for multiple reasons. Uh, if you like fish, I guess. Um, <laughs> um, but no, the, the the Little Mermaid huge success. Obviously, we'll get to that in a minute. But this is where Disney, or more accurately, where John Lasseter was put in charge of the the production, as it were, and said, "Right, enough of the fucking straight DVD videos, whatever sequels. We're done now." Um, but anything that's in production will be finished. So there's lots of things that weren't finished off, et cetera, et cetera. Mm, yes. But I believe this is like the last one in 2008. And it's it's one of those rare ones that's... I mean, there are a handful that are a prequel. I, I know that the uh, a lot of the animators who were working on this got temporarily like reassigned to Cinderella Infinite Crisis or whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> Crisis on Infinite Glass Shoes or yes. whatever. Yeah. Uh, and that is also what that's one of the better received Disney sequels. Yes, yeah. um, so as we've talked about before, there's plenty of the bad ones. Oh yes, here's, good lord. Here's a question that came up recently. Actually, something that fascinated me. Uh, sort of kid logic, where you go either A, oh my god, the kid's right, or B, shut up, kid, you're ruining it. Um, <laughs> which is it's like oh, and the 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 prince went around the kingdom and everyone tried on the shoe and only one person it fit perfectly. Cinderella, and you're like, okay, cool. And one kid puts a hand up and says, "If it fits so perfectly, why did it slip off at the ball?" I'm like, oh shit, son! <laughs> Damn good point. Why did it? And why didn't it turn back to garbage after whatever the fuck it was? Like, you know, a bit of kelp or something, like, you know, everything else that her things were made from. Anyway, we're not talking about that. We're talking about fish people. Yeah. Um, we're talking. We're talking about the other foot obsessed uh, fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> the the Quentin Tarantino live action. Uh, Disney from the E-Directs will be this one and it's mostly about the fucking feet. Yeah. Um, 
So hang on, just to clarify, The Little Mermaid, the original, the one that kind of jettisoned Disney back to success, as it were. The dawn of the Disney Renaissance. Precisely. This is older than Jack, isn't it? Correct. By a year. Yeah, it's 1989. But it's not older than Tim or myself. It is not. Yeah. It it, Um, it is is the meeting point between Emma and I's ages as well. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's it's Emma's, like, one of her favourite films ever, so. True. This was the Disney film that was playing when Jack was conceived. Ooh. Maybe? Wow. Neither, neither of my parents are very big Disney people, so... Okay. Still playing somewhere. <laughs> mm. <laughs> no, I was going to say that, um, it, yeah, so, like, where was uh, November or something, 1989, it was a Christmassy kind of thing. Mm. Animation was yep. fantastic. The songs were fucking fantastic and very memorable. Uh, Clements and Musker, who have done so many outstanding Disney films... Uh, with the directors and did a great job and it's got a huge great cast etc 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 really interesting fan favorite villain yeah. um but it's also not without its controversy later in life where it's like wait 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 the one thing this woman gives up is her voice her right to speak and it's like oh shit and that you know mm. it's still better than the fucking original Hans Christian Andersen no one ends up no one ends up dead in this which is <laughs> yeah exactly mm. so it's it's not it's not as bad as it could be i guess but it is it is a very interesting i mean it does it does release. frame her giving up her voice as a mistake it's not like it's oh entirely like, congratulations entirely. good you should stay quiet yeah um but it does well, the shakespeare thing of miscommunication when you said about controversies i assume you're talking about the penises are you, are you aware of this <laughs> oh the, the penis towers the original things, yeah. vhs cover had a penis in the castle but yes. maybe it did maybe it didn't and then it was removed for the dvd uh and then the other one is that the priest at the wedding has a has a boner and like a, a yes. visible like tent in he his looks, pants he looks like he's got a boner but what he actually is is very short standing on a stool and so he's the, got a peg where leg his, where his feet are yep. is is what people thought was the boner which it, it doesn't like i think I, I i guess i was looking for it when i watched it because it doesn't look like a boner really but i'd imagine in no. the era of you see it in the cinema and you you fleetingly catch it because you're not really looking for it and go wait and, did he have yeah. a boner <laughs> and the and the people who watch Disney films and complain about stuff are like the far right neo Christian mothers of America yeah, that's <laughs> so it's like yeah well, it, it, yeah as Tim said it's a combination of being in the cinema where you have a bit of a Fight Club moment and say you don't know you saw it but you did a nice big cock and the other thing <laughs> is the people who watch it on VHS. Things are grainy as shit on a glass screen that you've a lot of reflection and things like, wait, did I just, wait, did I see that? And you, even if you're like tracking and, and freeze frame it or pause it, it's like, it's jittering. It's not actually still. And you're like, oh my God. Yeah. Um, like Who Framed Roger Rabbit was the same thing where it's like, you know, sex isn't everything. And you're like, yeah, maybe it is. Who gives a shit? Thank God. Technology has progressed to a point where we can absolutely definitively tell what is and isn't a penis when we watch it. <laughs> Everything's a penis. <laughs> I mean... This is a weirdly horny Disney film, the original. The sequel is not, thankfully. No, the, the original is, is it's down to fuck. Yeah, and it, there's that whole weird three minute long scene where Ariel has got her legs and kind of washed up to shore where the camera yeah, has to studiously yeah. avoid like showing her crotch. <laughs> it doesn't... Because essentially she's just wearing a, a bikini top. Yes, when, when when is it? Oh, what the fuck is the guy's name? Scuttle or whatever the fuck Scuttle is the seagull? Scuttle and, and yeah. flounder. Yeah, yeah. And Scuttle's like, oh, I don't know what what is what's uh, what's new here? Is it you know hair? It's like yeah. no, that's not it. It's a terrible impression. I don't really care. Um, and it's like uh, jet new shells. And it's like that's a. I mean, 
So, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's not a weird thing. It's like, I mean, thing, what, what's different about you? It's like, obviously, she's got legs. Is it that you got, uh, you do your hair differently? You know, you from the fucking sea? No? What about the thing that holds in your tits? Is that different? <laughs> it's like, what's this fucking weird bird? And then finally, oh, yeah, legs. You got legs. And then Sebastian obviously informed him. Um, but no, it, it is a weird one. And I think, again, I don't want to put that adult perspective on it, but it's the classic, like, sea man is on the beach <laughs> and a naked woman's just lying around. And it's like, the alternate version is the lighthouse and Eric is Robert Pattinson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's that's for a, that's a different film. Um, re- recut a version of, uh, of the lighthouse where the cursed seagull is voiced by Buddy Hackett. Yeah, I, I actually don't mind that at all. That's quite brilliant. <laughs> Dinglehopper! Um, <laughs> it's wrong to kill a seabird. Um, but the point is that it was a gloriously huge success. Mm. It did really well, you know, by 80s standards. If we start saying numbers of like, what was it? Uh, like a 40 million budget mm. and like 200 or 300 million returns. Like two, maybe 250 mm. or something like that. It's like... Is that it? It's like, yeah, in the age of a billion dollars and spending 300 million on films, yeah, but you have to remember Disney wasn't doing very well at that time, so that was an accomplishment. And it it set them up to do stuff like uh, Beauty and the Beast and Lion King, which were like still, even by today's standards, have impressive halls kind of thing. This this was the one that kind of announced that they had found their groove again after the Rescuers and the Black Cauldron and stuff like that. Yes. And it it was a return to classical fairy tales um because the little mermaid yeah. was something that they considered doing really early on um mm. and in fact when they were making little mermaid in 89 they found a bunch of notes from something like 1935 uh, mm. and were interested because they um a, a bunch of the script notes from back then had made similar changes to what they had going, kind of going from the hands to the hands original. Right. Yeah, they, they yeah. were like, "Oh yeah, they've they saw all the same problems with the Christian hands Christian Anderson version and made similar changes to what we nice. did, you know, to to, to kind of yeah. update it and you know get around some of the story problems and stuff." It was really kind of the start of the golden age for Disney as well, going through into the 90s, as you mentioned, like 89. It's, it's the end of 89. It's literally the last mm. Disney film of the 80s. And then you go forward, like you said, Beauty and the Beast is 91. Then you've then got Aladdin, The Lion King, Pocahontas, Toy Story, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, A Bug's Life, Toy Story 2, like all these. I don't particularly mm. like Tarzan, mm. but like mm. so many of those are like absolute classics. Setting up the next decade. Whereas if you say the eighties, really like... for example, the eighties was the, the Fox and the Hound, Black Cauldron, uh, Green Mouse Detective, yeah, yeah, and Oliver and Company. I want to say, yep. yeah, before, yeah, and, that, and then the Little Mermaid. It's like of the nineties ones. There, that's huge. So, first of all, there's more of them because obviously Pixar and Disney are working uh, in tandem. Yeah, as you it suddenly were. get Toy Story arriving. You're like, ah, yeah, mm. exactly. But also, they're all really huge classics. You remember? I think even unless you're a big Disney fan. There's no way you've seen all five of those movies. If you say, oh, do you like Disney films? Oh, yeah, I love Aladdin mm. and stuff. Great, great, great. Here's the five 80s films. Yeah. How many of them seen? Everyone goes, oh, Little Mermaid. Maybe, maybe Oliver and Company. You know, it depends mm. what, you, what, you, what you're into. I obviously, I've seen them all. But The Black <laughs> Cauldron is one people forget even exists. It's, that's the, the, that's the most forgotten. Mm. It is. I don't know how that... If it's like Disney's biggest bomb ever, I don't. I have no idea. It but was I'd be interested. hugely 
un, un, unsuccessful. <laughs> yeah, I think it was just ahead of its time, but um, it was still. Yeah, it's, it's. I think it's a decent film, personally. Mm. But yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm brief. I'm briefly looking at the stats, not to go off on too much of a tangent. But looking at the Black Cauldron stats, uh, the budget was between twenty five and forty four million. Why such a discrepancy there? It made twenty one in America. Yeah. So that is yeah. not making its budget back whatsoever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But it's it's an iconic film. It's one people protect and and love and have very really fond like memories it. of and so on and so forth. I, mm. I remember I think liking it's right. it as a kid. I think, yeah. Yeah. I think I it think was it, funny. And I think I rewatched it recently, like for this, and I think it holds up. Like it's really really good. Yeah. It's I think Ariel is probably by modern standards, looking at stuff like Frozen and Moana and things like that. She's a little bit of a throwback to earlier Disney princesses where there was less call for them to be active participants and to kind of have a sort of strong female protagonist moment. But she is still someone who is her decisions drive the stories, drive where the story goes. And, Mm. and, you know, in a way it's kind of interesting that she doesn't, she's, she's, even though she is the one who is steering, you know, where the story progresses to, um, she doesn't, have to have a kind of a moment where she beats up a henchman to do that kind of thing. Um, yes, it's more yes. about her, you know, her personality kind of winning through even when she can't, when she's given up something as fundamental as her voice. You know, yeah. I think the closest equivalent we get in terms of like the Disney back catalogue of not necessarily princes, but female leads, mm. shall we say, of a similar ilk, where they're like, "I'm a confident person. I know what I want, and I'm going to." do this mm. now for right or wrong because i'm a young mm. woman is probably wendy and peter pan i want to say because mm. if you take someone like cinderella it's like yeah things just happen to her same with snow white same with alice in wonderland although she's precocious as fuck um the fucking cats and aristocats made mary and robin hood all these different characters like yeah 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 i mean the rescuers maybe because of what's mm. her face being quite um bolshy but Really, Wendy is. I think that the, the if you go like back and back and back and exclude mm. the Black Cauldron for a second, um, yeah, there there is that sort of agency to her. There is that. Um, it's it's the perfect on screen depiction. How can I phrase this? It's a double edged sword because it is the perfect on screen depiction of what a man thinks a, a young woman or a little girl is like, and that's also a bit of a Venn diagram crossover with sometimes actually what a little girl can mm. be like of a certain type um so she is very precocious she's mm. very inquisitive she's very intelligent maybe a little naive because she's just you know led a sheltered life because of her fucking crazy father yeah um she's inquisitive but also cares a lot big heart it's, it's all mm. this stuff like yeah that's like that's identifiable traits of a human being that's uh, who's a fish um, <laughs> and but, it's, um, it's um it's interesting because it's also compared to a lot of Disney films, especially more modern ones, it's yeah. the one that's kind of most... Uh, the, the romance is most central to the plot. You know, obviously because the the nature of her curse slash spell, you know, yes. she's got to get the prince to fall in love with her. So the, the, the romance becomes, you know, a bit like, uh, you know, similar in a way to Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, The yeah, romance is, yeah. is the central driving force of the plot. It's not like, say, Aladdin, where there's an adventure and then you happen to have a love interest to the side kind of thing. Sure. Yeah, I think that's... Uh, I think it is interesting. And it's very twisted because it's... I don't get Ursula's plan. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. Um, it's like, I'm going to do this. And I, I, I get her I get her drive. I understand her her, her wronged vengeance quest. That, that makes complete fucking sense. 
and I get the whole, I'm just going to fuck with Triton by taking his favourite daughter and ruining her life. But I don't know what she thinks would happen with the whole contract and go and make him fall in love with you. It's like, again, naked woman on the beach. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be much for a fucking, whatever, it's this fucking sin, this 18th century bloke. True love's kiss, Matthew. Can't just be, can't just be any old snog. It's the 1700s. No such fucking thing. Can't just be, can't just be Prince Eric's horny because he, his birthday involved him sailing out on a boat with a bunch of similarly dressed lads, lads, dancing lads. men. Lads, 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 <laughs> lads, lads. It's like, ah, oh, Grimsby, why can't I find the right girl on this boat full of men? Um, <laughs> Grimsby's like, semen. if you looked a little closer, you'd find there's some good people right here. You'd sir. find you've got a Grimsby right here. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I get it, because then the, the whole point is that then she uses the, that as leverage to get control over Triton's powers. Yeah, but... She's trying to take the throne, right? Why well, she then yeah. does a Rita Repulsa and, and makes makes her grow to the size of a, a galleon. Yes. I'm not quite sure what her plan is there. Make my Ursula grow! <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's it's the classic just bad guy going to be bad guy. Yeah. And I get that. And she has a fucking amazing song, so who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, very briefly, I'd like to touch on it, because I think we can all agree... The Little Mermaid is a fantastic fucking film. Yeah. We really like it. It's very solid and it's held up very well over the years. Yeah, the cool. animation still looks great. Mm. Absolutely. I think so. It's got a little bit I think it was it was transitioning between uh it's the last film where they used it's not photocopiers, but it's like a fancy version of a photocopier to produce some of the stuff. So it has a slight kind of eighties haziness and it's a little bit it, yes. it looks a bit kind mm. of murky in some places compared to yeah. if you then go to aladdin and beauty and the beast they look a lot cleaner yeah. and crisper yeah because they started using uh, cgi elements yes exactly like the reveal of agrabah and the yeah but collapsing the, of the cape on us yeah. the core um animation and the direction of mm. it is is really good yeah i think so so again we have to briefly talk about the fact that this is prequelizers mm-hmm. welcome to the show and Little Mermaid 2, Mermaid Harder, is um, uh, is, is a sequel. And we'll get back to that in a second. And then Little Mermaid 3 is the prequel. So just to clarify, I've seen Little Mermaid 2. You guys haven't seen Little Mermaid 2, is that correct? Correct. Correct. Return to the Sea, I have not seen it. Yeah. What's weird is Little Mermaid 2... Is worse than Little Mermaid 3. Maybe it's a future episode of a sequel. <laughs> okay, we might have to come back here and do another one, yeah. Oh, God. I, I took a look at the plot uh, because I, I am the one who's uh, attempting to prequelize uh, this for this episode. And I was like, oh, sure. it stars her daughter, so it's at least X years into the future. Probably won't impact on anything I do in a prequel. And that, <laughs> that was my the limit of my engagement with it. <laughs> no, that's fair. It's, it's classically... Her and Eric have a daughter, and then the daughter gets to the sea, and then you find out that Ursula has a sister, who's also voiced by Pat Carroll, who has the exact same motivation. She's just like a skinnier version. Whose name is Morgana, um, I believe. That's exactly, yeah. yeah, that's right. And she has the exact same motivation and everything, and they're saying, well, we'll do a sort of, you know, Frozen style. We won't tell our kid, Melody, that she's like she's a fish. She's a person. yeah. Yeah, a bit of an Aquaman. Um, and yeah, then... I, I vaguely know it. So she like starts talking to fish and stuff, doesn't she? And like, yeah. her powers manifest in a very Aquaman style. Precisely. Yeah. Except yeah. bad. She she then gets the call of the sea because she's a selkie or what the fuck ever. 
Um, and she's like, oh no, I'm, I, I'm a fish person. And she makes the same deal as her fucking mum, basically, to become le fish, le poisson. And then she's <laughs> flopping around and shit, and it goes pretty bad, pretty bad. And then it ends, and you're like, this is just piss poor nonsense, and it's bad. The songs are forgettable, etc., etc. Which brings us to Little Mermaid, Ariel's beginning 2008? Is that correct? That is correct. correct. Yep. That's so strange. I thought they stopped making the Disney direct sequels like early 2000s, 2003. I was we, so surprised. We to- talked about this. I remember going through the list of all the bad sequels where it is like they get into a rhythm of just churning them out. They're like two or three a year for a couple of years. Yeah, and it's it's yeah. weird. I remember talking about that in the Mulan 2 episode, I think it was, where like, oh, there's bad, 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 bad. I think they get to like Brother Bear 2 and then they finally fucking (laughs) give up and you're like, oh, thank God. Somebody mm-hmm. told them they need to stop churning this shit out, and then they, well, they find yeah, I mean, as, as as we said earlier, a uh, terrible person, John Laster, um, mm-hmm. kind of brought it to a close. Yes, uh, but yes, this not not soon enough because this film is bad. <laughs> it is bad. I mean, there. I think we can all, and maybe I'm putting words in your mouth here, like fish. But um, I put fish in my mouth. I'm vegetarian. I put, I put some fish in your mouth. Fish, fish row legs to burst. No, I'm good. Thanks. Um, this is actually a surprisingly half decent looking film. Yeah, yeah. It, the animation, the animation right, is surprisingly good. Yeah, it, it's some weird editing, but that's also because it's two thousand and eight, and I think it's come along nicely enough that it works. Yeah, the the animation quality is good, but the actual direction and editing is oh god, bad. No, terrible. Editing it's, is it's terrible. incredibly yeah. flat. Um, it also forgets that it's a fucking prequel and we know what the characters are like in The Little Mermaid. I don't know how old Ariel's supposed to be or how... It's, all the it's kids really are born. unclear because she looks exactly, it looks almost exactly She's the, the same. same as yeah. she does in The Little Mermaid. And the sisters all look the same age as they do in The Little Mermaid. And it could have happened the day before The Little yeah, Mermaid. Yeah, it could, it, it, it could have happened the day before. And it makes no sense. <laughs> Like so, essentially, this film is foot is underwater footloose. Oh god, yeah, it absolutely. really is. Yeah. To to people who haven't seen it, it has a it has or a <laughs> a prologue scene where it's right uh, with a very young Ariel, where her mother dies. It fridges Ariel's mum almost immediately. Um, yep. Who obviously isn't in the Little Mermaid at all in classic nope. Disney style, uh, and introduces her, then kills her off almost immediately with a ship crashing into her. And because she was listening we'll to, to music at the time, yeah. uh, King Triton then uh, outlaws music in Atlantica. Um, and yeah. so the and then the, the, the story is essentially Ariel discovers music and then music gets reinstated. And then yeah. also there's a villain who's kind of not really to do with that, but whatever. Mm. Um, yeah. And, and because it looks like it could be happening like a week before... The, the original Little Mermaid. Mm. And the first thing that we see in The Little Mermaid that that it is underwater, that's kind of based in, in the mermaid world, is Ariel's sister being uh, a famous choir <laughs> uh, performing for the people. Yes. And then it's finally time for Ariel to be introduced. And it's like, well, if music's been banned in Atlantica up until, like, 20 minutes ago... <laughs> Why is there this established choir that Ariel's only just joining? Why would she not have joined? It's a terrible conceit. It's a terrible premise. I really fucking hate it for multiple reasons. There's only one, one defending point, which is that 
an old white man will make the worst fucking decision out of a tragic <laughs> event and say, yeah. this must mean this, right? It's like, no, you dumb prick. King um, Triton's a real... Like, I mean, yeah. he's, he's kind of a dick in the original. He's a, oh, he's a twat. real dick in he this go, one. He goes, yeah, he goes full dick in... He, he, he is quite the... Mo- he's a bit, like, to be fair, like his name... Well, sort of namesake. Sort of Poseidon... Zeusy kind of a proper old Greek Roman god kind of thing. He does mm. feel like a proper mercurial. I can't read this guy. He might completely kill me. He might not. That's the nature yeah. of the sea. He could, like, he could smite anyone at any given moment. Yeah, kind of vibe. but yeah. if he's this young girl's father, it's like, is that how dads are? I mean, I guess maybe dads <laughs> are from the eighties. Fucking awful. Who knows? Um, there's there's moments where it makes him seem like he's like an overbearing sort of helicopter parent. Who's constantly like monitoring what they do oh, and yeah. what they get up to, yeah. but then there's also moments where it tries to make him look like he's never there for them and is basically absent from their lives, and they're raised by this governess figure. And it's like, well, hang on, it can't be both. <laughs> he can't be all up in your business, but also nowhere near your business. Yeah. So let's just let's let's just talk about that for a second. So Triton's a shit. He lost his wife, and because he's now she was shit to his by a boat because reasons. Not maliciously, I hasten to add, just because, just you know, she was in the wrong place at the wrong time. You can make Triton work. You can make his idea of him being, not being able to handle his grief and taking out on people around him. Now you can kind of get that and almost talk to him and tell him otherwise because he's the king and they're terrified of him. You can make that work with clever writing. However, the event, as you said, Jack, so they're, li- they're in a cove, they're listening to a music box, which is CGI, by the way, and does not fit Real in with anything else. Real bad CGI. Holy it, shit. It's hideous. It stands out like as, a as, motherfucker. As good as the rest of it looks, both Ember and I, when we watched it the other day, were like, oh, God. Oh, no. <laughs> What's that? Oh, it's 2008 CGI, as on the days. But <laughs> real bad 2008 CGI. Yeah. It's like, you do not belong here. Um, so she's the music's going away. They're all happy. And he's like, my daughters. And he's, you know... Playing in the fucking pool, just being a dad and a mom and a family. Cool. Fair enough. Then everything changes very quickly and the editing is fucked on it. If you find it a clip is, on yes. YouTube, watch it. And it's just the idea that a pirate ship, because you know it's a pirate ship because it's got the skull and crossbones, sails out of a cove, full fucking rudder, just yeah. going for it. And <laughs> out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. It's like the bus also- in Final Destination. <laughs> I, I I agree with that entirely. Um, I'd like to see a Final Destination version now of Little Mermaid. Um, you nearly <laughs> got a spit take from me there, Tim. Well done. <laughs> so then the, the the thing, one of the fish girls has her tail caught in a rock, I think, and the mum helps her get loose, and they're all swim below because it's a boat. You shouldn't have to swim that far below, but sure, because um, there's no propellers or anything like that. And I don't remember... I, oh, yes, and then she goes back for the music box because reasons, mm. and... Turns around and goes, oh no, I better just wait here. And then the ship <laughs> plows the fuck through her and smashes itself on the rocks. And Triton's like, no, no music. <laughs> okay. It would, under- it would be understandable if in The Little Mermaid, at the first film in 1989, it says, you can't go up to the world of humans. Why? Your mother fucking died from a boat smashing her into that's, some rocks. That's the motivation right there. That makes that's entirely more sense. Like, oh, the, the the guy you're falling in love with is a human from a boat. Did you know people on boats killed your mother? Because they did. You were there. <laughs> you were there. Exactly. Like, You may have blocked it out. How, but I how is that not the motive? How does he make the conclusion of like, well, well, she was trying to grab the music box, so therefore music is evil. Like, okay. 
it's a weird like stage of his grief where he's like, yeah. well, music reminds me of your mother, despite the fact, you know, Ariel is the spitting fucking image of her. So like, she, maybe she he, is. it would make sense that maybe he had some resentment towards Ariel and it was directed in that way. And that makes him like, she was treated worse than all of her sisters because she looks so much like her mother or you, you could channel that in interesting ways. And he's just like, nope, classic. Yeah. Fuck you. It's footloose underwater. Like, okay, Triton, <laughs> sure. Why not? He's in a weird little sub pocket of denial where it's not denial that she's died. It's denial of the, the circumstances of her death. <laughs> yes. It's like, I know she's dead, but I can't remember how. I remember there being music involved. Musicians must have killed her. <laughs> I guess I'll just leave that giant statue of us that is very reminiscent of the music box just outside my front door and just ignore <laughs> it for the next 10 years. Like, I, I love mean, the idea that he just has also no idea what his wife likes. <laughs> she likes music. I'm a ban it. It's like, she, I don't think she ever liked music. She had a box. She she liked boxes. <laughs> she likes jewelry. No, 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 no. Music. She was a trumpeter in a jazz band. Like, I mean, sure. Uh, speaking of of some jazz shit for a Ooh. second, I have a real problem with flounder. Um, Me because too. We talk about like the idea of like you know Triton forget certain things. He's terrible. Full stop. He's terrible in all. I don't like flounder at all. He's like this terrified little. Oh, such a terrible. We should get out of here, Ariel. And you're like, yes, he's a very wimpy kind of. But in this, the film that takes place before The Little Mermaid, he's a fucking energetic, confident... Adventurous little bastard. ...who scats. Oh, yeah, that's some music right there. Playing some music on some open bits of coral. Like, who the fuck are you and what the fuck are you and why the fuck are you Funny enough, that was the thing Emma really pointed out that I don't know the original Little Mermaid well enough to kind of, like, clue Mm. in on that. But she was like... "Uh." Him being a coward is like his only defining characteristic. That is the thing Flounder is known for and what, like, his role uh-huh. in the first fucking film. And then he's just like, well, yeah, I'm just an adventurous, cool, jazz loving cat. And you're like, wait, what? It poochies him. What? Yeah, yeah ah. exactly. Exactly. It's ridiculous. It sh- he should have sunglasses on in areas. <laughs> yes, and an underwater entirely. skateboard. I will say, so obviously, we talk about, like, Flounder's a terrible thing. We, but there, there are two aspects of it of, of characters I would like to talk about, uh, if you permit me, sirs. Number one is going to be Marina. Number two is going to be the sisters. So the villain of the piece is quite clearly a proto-Ursula. And the frustration is, I don't understand why she wasn't just Ursula. Uh, so when it first started, before she started speaking, I was like, oh... I guess that's a young Ursula before she goes evil and we're going to have like a transformation moment where like she gets cursed and she gets the Everyone fucking tentacle that, yeah. legs and all that kind of stuff. And they're just like, no. And do you have the moment in the first one where Ursula is like, oh, back in my days in court, blah, blah, blah. Like assuming she was obviously like the, the, the right hand woman to Triton or whatever and has been scorned and all this kind of stuff, which is exactly mm. what Marina is with no explanation of who the fuck she is, what she's doing there, why she's there, what her role is, how she's even related to any of this shit. She's just like, yep, I'm in the chair next to Triton. We don't have a council or anything. There's nobody else. She's just there. And I was like, oh, she must be like Triton's new wife. And he's like been corrupted by her or something. None of that shit. Oh, maybe he, she's Triton's sister. He, nope. She's just another fucking Fish. woman who's another fucking mer person who's just hanging out and is suddenly the second most powerful person in the kingdom for no fucking reason. And also has like a, a manipulated brainwashed manatee called Benjamin. 
as yeah, her fucking right hand man. None of that makes sense. Why wasn't no, it just no. like an, you could have done like an origin story for Ursula at the same time and had like, oh, this is how Ursula becomes the bad person we yeah, see in the first yeah. one. That would have made a hundred times more sense than Marina Del Rey, which fuck that name as well, by the way. It's also voiced by fucking Sally Field. Why is Sally Str- Field in this film? It's so weird. So weird. I mean, not to not to try and turn Little Mermaid into Game of Thrones, but Whoa. like the court setup. So you've got King Triton. He's in charge. He's basically yes. he's, he's he's a he's an absolute ruler, as he makes clear with his ridiculous demand of no music in in our kingdom. He, he's the autocrat because he has a stick. Yeah, and he will fucking kill you with the stick. And then you have. Sebastian, who so in the in original Little Mermaid, Sebastian is the court composer who then gets yes. assigned to look over to, to kind of be Ariel's like babysitter, sort of babysitter basically. Yes. This film turns him into King Triton's right hand man. So either he was he he's always been that, and then he basically retired and became a composer, or he was a composer <laughs> and then music got banned, and so he became like. A vizier. <laughs> a vizier, a grand vizier, the Jafar to, to uh, King yeah. Triton, and then goes back to being a composer later. Precisely. And Marie, and the, the, the key thing is, like, you know, Ariel just happens to be there. She just wants the music back, as it were. Mm. Um, Marina's real uh, adversary is Sebastian. She wants Sebastian's job. Yes, because that's the, that's the natural ca- career path, is governess to composer slash vizier... <laughs> King. <laughs> King? Question mark? <laughs> Man with the stick. Yes. Um, stick haver. Yeah. It is it is a very lazily put together thing. And also, and I do. F- why does the governess have a pit full of electric eels? That's another thing as well. She's such an Ursula prototype. And it's yeah. like, she has eels. I saw the eels and I was like, oh, okay. So there'll be Flotsam and Jetsam then. Yeah. It's, it, nope. it, it really does feel like they got halfway through making a film where they were doing an Ursula origin story and then yep. they decided to change it. You mean Prometheus? Yeah. <laughs> it's a standalone. No, it's an alien it's film. The Prometheus no, it's Prometheus of Little again. Mermaids. <laughs> oh my God. I'm glad we start Prometheus. It comes back to it almost every single time. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is baffling and it's not it's a bad performance either. Sally Field does fine. She sings all right. She's, the, she's fine, yeah. Not much to do with it. So the thing is, yeah, along the same lines as the animation, the performances pretty much across the board are actually pretty good in terms of the acting and mm. yeah. the singing and all that kind of stuff. Not a problem with that whatsoever. The way the characters act and the script are, mm. and, and the writing of the songs, I don't think, I mean, it's fairly easy to say that the songs are nowhere near as strong as they are in the first no, one. Oh, God, no. This song tries to do Under the Sea again, and the, and the shake, 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 they're going to shake it all the time, that well, one. Yeah, I mean, it also uses non-original music multiple times. And yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it reprises that song like three different times in like four different genres. And like, um, fuck off, you're trying to do reggae mm-hmm. and ska and then like some Latin thing as well, and it's like... Fuck off. So, so Marina Del Rey, fucking name. I hate that name so much. Fine. I know I already said that, but fuck, I hate that name so much. <laughs> she's she's functionally fine, but not good as an adversary. And at the end of the day, should have been Ursula. And the fact is, there are so many bits throughout that make you think of the character that are almost forcing you to think of it. You can't put out your head. And again, the Prometheus mindset, you can't not think of Alien. The sisters, 
is actually one of the things the film does well. The sisters in The Little Mermaid are vacuous nothings. They are just literally a, a, a pod of, of fish eggs that hatched into this group. They're just a thing. Well, they, like, have, oh, they right. have two moments. They introduce themselves in the song, which is a setup to a joke about how Ariel isn't there. And then yep. they reappear at the end to wave at the ship. They're entirely interchangeable. Precisely. They have different hair. This film does actually give them personalities. It does actually give them... Well, I'm sorry, let me, let me, that was incredibly generous of me. It tries but to. It, gives it, think, them, it thinks it, it makes does. Them, yeah, I, I, what I mean to say is it gives them the ability to tell them apart a little bit easier. Put it that way. Um, and this means they are a little bit more fleshed out. I still out. don't know. I, I don't think they have different personalities. I think they have one personality and they express it all in slightly different... And like, they split there's... like a horcrux between the six of them. Yes. They they have, like... I don't know. It doesn't even... It, call it, <laughs> calling it calling it that they each have a plot is a little bit ambitious, but, like, one of them wants to kiss a boy and then you, we see her and she kisses a boy. And, like, one of them thinks she looks stupid when she dances, but then she learns to dance. Arc complete. <laughs> arc, yeah. Arc complete. Tick the box. Um... And they don't really have like the 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 eldest one is sort of the responsible one, and then beyond that, they are all just kind of teenage girl archetype. Sure, there's very there's very little that distinguishes between them beyond the fact that yeah, like this one wants to dance, and then yeah. she dances, and then this one isn't sure about it. She this one joins in the band. That's her art. I think that's fair. Yeah, that that's that's fair. I think I think again to to. <laughs> I'm probably very generously giving it credit for the fact that it did more than The Little Mermaid. But that, to be fair, is because The Little Mermaid, they're such minor characters where they are, frankly, the central focus of this movie. So you can't yeah. not, in inverted commas, develop them somewhat. So yeah. I, I, I thought that was a, a, a step of sorts. But it is, unfortunately, an extremely rote and rudimentary film. The plot is literally, thing is banned. Kid finds well, teenager finds out there was a thing. She thinks she likes the thing and goes against her father. And he goes, "Ah, fuck it, why not?" And that's it. <laughs> oh, and by the way, there's also a woman who wants a job. She can't have. I like. I mean, obviously, in, in the, the animators who were making this in 2008 had to know that they were doing a footloose. Like you can't. You can't not know. And there's a okay. And there's also a weird connection there because the love interest in Footloose is called Ariel. It's an incredibly good point, Tim. And I'm like, what are they trying to say with this? And if they wanted yeah. it to be a foot, why couldn't we have two underwater tractors driving at each other? <laughs> if they wanted to go, if they wanted to go all out and basically Full make a footloose, yeah. Because it's they, flounder, it, Kevin Bacon. It's close enough, right down to the. There was a death that was tangentially involved music, and so a father bands music. Yeah, like and a mode is, of transportation. Yes, <laughs> it's so close to the original footloose. It is, and I think the thing, if I was. If I was to presume, I would say, I bet you somebody in a Disney room spitballing ideas said, "Hey, I, I really like Footloose. Yeah, it's a great film. I really like Footloose too. Hey, can we do Footloose? What do you mean? Well, do like a thing where music gets banned and she loves music. Ariel loves music, right? Yeah, her voice. That's a great idea, <laughs> guys." We've got it. And you know what? It'll be like a really wink, wink, and no one will know because reasons. And to be fair, kids won't fucking know Footloose. Um, and, and at that point in 2008, you know, a 20-year-old Footloose or whatever. And it'll be really clever and no one will see it. And I'm always like, when you know, anytime someone thinks they're doing something clever or subtle, always assume that someone's going to get it immediately. 
And that's why I end up with most of my fictional things. I go, do you get it? And like, no, Matt, what the fuck have you tried to tell us with the story? Oh, I made it too convoluted and I buried it too much. I'm so, so sorry. I was, I was worried everyone would understand. So I made it fucking David Lynchian and how lost it is. Um, but no, I, I think um, Ariel's Beginning is, is, again, I think classically one of those films that the majority of our audience, and let's face it, I don't mean like that, you know, our listeners specifically, I mean anybody listening to this show won't have seen. I think they'll have seen Little Mermaid almost hands down and know the story reasonably well. They'll probably know the fucking songs under the sea and stuff. Little Mermaid 2, they might know exists. Yeah. 3, 3 is a push. Yeah. If you're, if you're tempted to track it down on Disney+, Plus, don't. Nope. <laughs> there are better things to watch. But we did. <laughs> you're welcome. Because you asked us to. Yeah, I think, I think it just, it feels so barely thought through. Like, they just kind of went, Oh, Footloose. Yeah, that'll work because the music was a big part of the first one, like every Disney film. Um, That's fine. It doesn't like the plot doesn't really tell us anything new or interesting about Ariel or like add anything to the original film. Like it it doesn't give us new information that that it adds value or or undermines the first one pretty fundamentally. Mm -hmm. It it takes Mm -hmm. stuff away. Like, Like we said, Marina could be Ursula, but she's not. Yeah. So. Where where is Marina in the whole thing? Like they Triton just forgets to mention this whole thing that happened before, and yeah. they never mention anything that happens in the prequel ever because yeah, <laughs> yeah, it 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 just contradicts the original or, or makes the original contradictory kind of thing. And like Jack said, the the Marina feels so stapled on to the music plot, like the fact that her beef is with Sebastian, and it yeah. kind it so it kind of makes the film. Sebastian's film, but yeah. not explicitly. That's a prequel I could get behind. <laughs> Sebastian's origin story. Fucking Timon and Pumbaa, Lion King, three point seven or whatever. And I think it's it's a sign of how much of a dud this film is. Is that it's eighty minutes, and I struggle to get through it. <laughs> <laughs> it it does feels feel much longer than that. so much yeah. longer. It feels so yeah, very sluggish. laborious. Like and and just like the fact that we have like. Oh, we get a scene where Ariel goes to the club, and she and she uh, and they they initially don't trust her, but then she dances and she has a great time, and then she goes back, talks to her sisters, and then we immediately get another scene where the rest of them show up at the club and they're initially not trusted, but then they have a dance and a great time. Yeah. And it's just like this is how how are you needing to pad a film that is eighty minutes long? Again, I have to just as the one who's seen Little Mermaid two, the pacing in this film is still better. Than <laughs> Little Mermaid too, because it, it is remarkably dull. Um, it's it's so. Are there any good it's... songs in two? That's all I need. Fuck to no. Fuck terrible. No, there's nothing. It's, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's 45 minutes before anything really actually happens. It's painful, absolutely painful. So oh, by comparison, because I've seen both, three doesn't seem nearly as bad, but it is a very very bad film. Um, if you've just seen Little Mermaid and this, of course, it's a huge, huge drop off. But if you've mm. done it in sequence of like, you know, all of it, like one, two and three, <laughs> it's like, oh, well, this is a little bit closer to what it wanted to be. Yeah, yeah all right. In the same way, you're like, I watched Transformers and it's OK. I rather enjoy Transformers. It's fine. Then you watch for um, Revenge of the Fallen. That's bloody awful. And then you watch uh, The Dark of the Moon or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And Dark then it's... The moon, um, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, well, this is a little bit better. This is, this is, yeah, this is all right. Little <laughs> Nemo's in it. And you're like, 
Nah, it's still shit, mate. So yeah, but did you see Revenge of the? I'm at the <laughs> fucking base of the pyramid, and I'm at the foot of the scrotum of the. No, 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 no. Mud flaps and skids. No, 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 no. Dark of the Moon's better. But if you only go one to three, it's like no, there's a big departure. So yeah, from from my perspective, I think um, all the problems of this film exacerbated in second. So Ariel's Ariel's beginning equals Dark of the Moon. Yes, but Little Mermaid does not equal Transformers. Little Mermaid yep. equals Bumblebee. Yes. <laughs> well, now we've established at least that we know which which Transformers film equals which Little Mermaid film, which is the we have fifty fifty percent of what we do on this podcast. <laughs> pretty much, pretty much what we do. Uh, put Dread in there somewhere. We should, yeah, put Dread and a mech <laughs> and a seventies rock musician. Sign me up. Um, solved. Uh, we should we should get to fixing, but before we can get to fixing, got a little ad from our sponsor, who is as always Stitcher Premium. So Stitcher is a fantastic little app for your phone, your tablet, your watch, maybe? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It is a dedicated dedicated podcast app. Uh, So none of this, let's make a music app and just chuck in some podcast functionality. It's built to complement your podcast listening experience. Uh, And you can listen to all of your favourite shows ad-free with Stitch Premium. Uh, plus, you get access to their original content, their bo- which includes things like uh, bonus episodes, comedy albums, uh, an underwater realm of <laughs> additional content that you can get for just a proverbial $4. Atlantica. <laughs> you can get for just four dollars and ninety nine cents a month, or bargain. buy it for a year for thirty four dollars and ninety nine. Even more of a bargain. Even more bang for your buck. And if you go to stitcher.com slash premium to sign up today and use the promo code sequelizers, we're going to give you a month free. Not prequelizers. Not prequelizers. Don't worry. Not prequelizers. Don't get it twisted. (laughs) Uh, Use promo code sequelizers and get a month free of Stitcher Premium and and supercharge your podcast life. This week, it is my duty to... Administer the Rotten Tomato scores while you two have a good old guess of what they might be. So we are having three. I think you can all guess which three they are. Oh. Three different films. So it's Splash, Aquaman, Two, and Dark of the Moon. <laughs> no, it's Splash, Aquaman, Transformers. How many fucking times? Um, L- Little yes, Mermaid, interestingly, almost didn't get made because of Splash. Yeah, because why would you make it after Splash came out? Yeah, because because they've already also, perfected it. Uh, this because this was when uh, Jeffrey Katzenberg uh, was heavily mm. involved in Disney animation, uh, yeah. and he almost cut part of your world uh, because it tested poorly with a class of uh, like schoolchildren. Focus group bullshit. Yeah, the focus groups. If you watch, if you watch the extras, because uh, uh, Disney Plus, not to shill, uh, but it's quite good because <laughs> it puts some of the DVD extras as available uh, oh, for yes, films. Hmm. Um, so you can get, so you can actually get films with commentaries and stuff like that on Disney Plus. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's really cool. I had no idea about that. Uh, and uh, so it's got some of the making of of my little uh, my little mermaid. That's a crossover. My little mermaid <laughs> <laughs> of the Little Mermaid uh, on there. And uh, if you watch it, you can see the all the animators trying to hide their unbridled hatred for Jeffrey Katzenberg as he talks about, like, well, you know, really the film is a product and you've got to get the product ready on time. And then it comes to the animators going like, yeah, there were some challenges working on this project. <laughs> <laughs> it, I must admit, having, on the Blu-ray and things, there are a lot of interesting 
I think there's the original footage of like like kiss the girl and they got the the boat sort of spinning around on it for an animation reference sort of stuff and i find that very interesting i'm glad they have that on disney plus we're not we're not promoted by or sponsored by disney plus yeah if only they wouldn't yeah we'd love some of their money disney are not gonna give us their money for us saying that they're filming shit absolutely (laughs) (laughs) yeah literally five minutes ago i was like don't watch this on disney (laughs) plus to be fair though they don't care as long as you're subscribing to disney plus who gives a fuck um, okay, so percentages, Rotten Tomatoes, The Little Mermaid, The Little Mermaid 2, Bo- Electric Boogaloo, and Little Mermaid 3, Ariel does a does a sleepy singy time. <laughs> so, Little Mermaid, gentlemen, Disney classic, what do you think? It's really hard to tell because... It is. I don't know how many of them are going to be contemporary reviews, or rather con- contemporary at the time, mm, contemporary yes. to the film coming out. Yes. And I'm wondering how recognized it was immediately as being a return to form or whether there were a bunch of critics who were like ah it's disney it's you know it's the same old same old kind of stuff sure i'm gonna say 89 percent motherfucker that's the number i had in my head as well <laughs> and i was gonna do it as a joke of like i don't know let's just do it the year it came out 89 percent. i oh. I'm, I'm just gonna do a little <laughs> tim you beat me um i will so 100 then yeah clearly it must be 100 I will go slightly. I will go for eighty-seven. Then I will go slightly lower because if it's eighty-eight, it's then if we're it's eighty-eight, fucked. we fight to the death. Exactly. <laughs> but I ain't doing this Price Is Right bullshit. I don't believe in that. No, it will be. It will literally be the uh, the scene in Aquaman where Patrick Wilson goes oh! <laughs> to a crowd full of Aqua Bros. Yeah. And you're a big fight in the middle of a thing. Um, right, Little Mermaid two, which you guys haven't seen, but I can tell you is terrible. Yep. Low. I'm gonna go. I'll I'll cut mine basically in half and go for like 40... Let's go 42, please, for Little Mermaid 2. I'm going to go even lower. Oh, okay. Knowing that (laughs) using Mulan 2, a zero percenter, an egger, (laughs) as a comparison... Sure. It can't be that bad. If if Little Mermaid 2 makes Little Mermaid 3 look bad, I'm going to drop down to 17%. Okay. Uh, and finally, the one you guys have seen, Little Mermaid 3, Ariel's beginning, where she begins nothing. <laughs> yeah, be that, is a, again. that is a good yeah. point. We didn't get into that. Yeah. Ariel's beginning, nothing about it, nothing begins in this film. No, she's yeah, could have done like Ursula's beginning or Sebastian's beginning or something like yeah. that and had them. Do you think the... they're like, uh, Triton is like a seahorse and he, he holds all the eggs and then births them out of his fish hole? Yes, no. yes, I do. No. <laughs> Just immediately. <laughs> yes, no. Um, well, the answer was... I've got a sketch yes, he I does. show you. <laughs> yeah, he does. And the Little Mermaid mother, Athena. Is it Athena? I think it's Athena. It is Athena. It is. Yeah. Because you everything's know, goddess of wisdom. on the nose. Yeah. Um, yeah, she, she's not even in like involved. He inseminates himself. Yeah. Anyway, so Little Mermaid 3, what are you guys thinking? Low. I'm going to go... I'm going to cut point it out, again. Fuck it. Sorry, go on. I'm going to give you a clue. Straight so before you start cutting away, like a haircut, just... Do, 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 do. Whoa, 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 whoa. Keep the scissors just locked off for a second, because I'm going to tell you... Mind your The Little pause. Mermaid 3 is higher than Little Mermaid 2. What? What? It reflects the Stockton opinion. Mm. It, it does, unfortunately. Yeah, okay. But I'm, just, um, just, just to throw it out there, just to, if it helps. See, mm. do I play this strategically? 
and pick a low number anyway because this film is garbage, which means I fucked up my Little Mermaid 2 pick and go like higher than Tim's Little Mermaid 2 pick and do it that way. Or do I stick to my guns and go higher than Little Mermaid 2? I feel like I kind of have to stick to my guns because sure, then sure. I, I can't undermine my, myself. Uh, I will go ever so slightly higher. I will go 47. Okay. I think that's too high. Now that I know three is higher than two, I'm very worried about my, my choice of <laughs> scores. <Your chances. laughs> I'm going to go for 38. Ooh, okay. Well, just a quick tabulation here. I'm guessing three and over Tim would be my guess. It's a fucking clean sweep. Ooh. I'm not going to say who for yet. <laughs> I mean, come on. But it is a clean sweep. <laughs> Which is... Only really tension for about a second until we get to the first point, because when you guys yes. know who's what that... Yeah. But let's keep that for a while. So, yes, 89 and 87 were your two bets. Um, you're both, you both low-balled it, I'm afraid. Wow. The answer is 93. Wow. You were okay. right. Not everyone was on board with it, obviously, at the time, but, you know, people grew to I love mean, it. Once, like, this once you hit 90%, that's basically everyone on board. Like yeah, that. It's, yeah, it's, it, yeah, yeah, precisely. Little Mermaid 2. Tim got it. Bang the fuck wow. on. Well done, Tim. 17%. Mm-hmm. Yep. There you go. Shoot fire and, and blind there, mate. Well done. Yeah. Little Mermaid 3, 33%. So it goes 93, 17, 33. Well yeah. done, Tim. Yeah. Good good work. Yeah, it's... it's. I don't think I... W- Actually, as much as I can't believe I'm saying this, I almost agree with it. I'd say, yeah, definitely in the high 90s for, for Little Mermaid. It's a great film. Low tens for or teens for the um, uh, Philip Mermaid two and maybe twenty something maybe Philip Mermaid three because it's largely inoffensively meh yeah <laughs> it's very Disney Channel like sling it on meh. it doesn't rupture everything it's just a bit underwhelming but no that's mm. uh that's a good work Tim it's like you know your shit because you know you're you're the one writing this week so uh... <laughs> one so time. how are you planning on taking this this vast vast mermaid knowledge that you have. And making it work to our favour. So, I have changed most things about Good. this. Good. I... I feel like it's not one of those films where, you know, we often say they're like, oh, do you just tweak little bits and make it work? Or do yeah. you burn it to the ground and, and start <laughs> from scratch? I think you yeah. made a wise decision there. I thought you were saying, no one's going to say it's their favourite film. I was like, yeah, they will. There'll be somebody who loves Little Mermaid 3. Uh, I did not go for what, what uh, we touched on and make it an yeah. Ursula origin story mm. uh, because I I'm very surprised I <laughs> holding my hands up even despite re-watching Little Mermaid recently I don't think I caught the line where Ursula mentioned things like you know stuff was different in back in when I was in court or something I didn't either that's a thing from Emma because she's a huge Ursula fan <laughs> uh, saying that quietly so she doesn't shout at me <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, that if if I had have caught that line, I may have tweaked this and included her. So yeah, I did. I did not do that. Sure. With hindsight, maybe I would have done. But I'm I'm pretty pleased with what I've got. So I shall see what you guys think. I have. Let's start with the release date. And I not only have a year for release, I have a specific date in mind. Which interesting. Which I believe we've done. I think has happened once before. We've I can't done it once what before. It was. Yeah. Yeah. For a very similar reason to I assume what you're about to say as well, because I yes. understand the relevance of the date. So my release date is November 12th, 2019. Which is? The launch day of Disney+. Plus. There you go. 
I see. I was going to say, is that not also exactly the 30 year anniversary of the release of The Little Mermaid? Do you know uh, what? It, it's it off by actually, actually days. Be, yeah. It'd be uh, pretty damn November, November of 89 is the original. Um, yeah. Let me just have a quick yeah. check here. It's off by five days, so the 17th. Wow. Was yeah. the, I, that's what I thought it was. So I didn't realize it was Disney Plus. Okay. Well, that is a that that is a happy that's accident because I did not I did not think of the thirtieth, but yeah. So yeah, oh. I I thought the thirtieth anniversary was a thing. Yeah, and you were also tying it into Disney Plus as like a big selling point. I hadn't yeah. like considered that it was so close to the thirtieth thing. Yeah. <laughs> so 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. So Tim, is this a Disney Plus exclusive? It is a Disney Plus exclusive. Our this first is very interesting, ever. Tim. Cool. Yeah, it's a it's a Disney Plus launch title. This, uh, Why haven't they given us money yet, Disney Plus? Come on! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what are you waiting for, Disney Plus? Um, because I uh, essentially my thinking was okay. So I, even though I haven't seen Little Mermaid two, I have to I have to acknowledge a reality in which that has been released. Um, so that takes us to at least two thousand, which is when that comes out. Sure. And so I'm already into terrible Disney home video release patch. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Yeah. 2000 yeah. kind of a fallow obviously Pixar at kind of at their peak around that point. Disney sure. in the fallow period waiting for, you know, Tangled to come along and give it a boot up the arse kind of stuff. Yeah. Tangled's so good. It is it's I so agree. good. Um great. So I figured, okay, so I'm not gonna try and, you know, I'm not gonna Lion King to it and say it's gonna be a cinematic release. Because it's mm-hmm. essentially it's already been established that okay, home releases happen. So what's the next thing that we can do? Let's make it a Disney Plus release where and a launch title, so it would have probably a little bit more of a budget, a little bit more prestige associated with it, and not thinking, but the fact that it's so close to the thirtieth anniversary, that's also a great story for Disney to run with. Like, hey, I agree, like, as yeah, a launch yeah. thing. And so I think that. While it's still going to be a lower budget than Little Mermaid, I think this should this should help it access a little bit more cash and a little bit more excitement around it. Yeah. Um, and the title that I've gone for is The Little Mermaid and the Pearl of Poseidon. Cool title. Mm. I know I mentioned it yeah. earlier. It's a real cool title. It's very uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I thought that as well. Yeah, yeah. Mm. I guess before we even get into anything, does Poseidon exist in the Little Mermaid universe, or is Triton sort of Poseidon? Because we have Queen Athena. Is she named after the goddess? Is she literally the goddess? Uh, it's fucking. It's a lot it's of Disney like being lazy. Very, it's googly, it's, isn't it? It's very lazy. Inspired by like Greek, Greek, Greek Roman god. Oh, okay, <laughs> sure. Um, they're mm. they're different things, but why not? Like, is Triton Poseidon? I guess so. I mean, it... I don't know. It's it's so fuzzy. I've got a couple of other Greek mythology references in there. Uh, in terms of character names um so i'm yeah i'm just it's that kind of fudgy disney like oh maybe it exists but you know this isn't hercules so we don't really give a fuck um sure i i i the the poseidon came i was i was kind of scrambling around for a good name for this this magical object which i'd put in the film and i was like Mm -hmm. okay i'm kind of i'm sticking with pearl Uh, oh poseidon Got that alliterative nice. ring to it, so I, I that it, yeah. As soon as I said it, I was like, "That works," and that that's fine. So, uh, yes, we, no, we're not. Cool. I I have not. It doesn't uh, tackle the. Uh, there's not lots of existential examinations by King Triton where he's like, mm, "This guy's also a god of the sea with a trident." What the fuck? <laughs> 
Uh, for director, I have gone with Ron Clements and John Musker, who directed the original. Makes and sense. And then went on to direct Aladdin and Hercules and Princess and the Frog and Moana and a bunch of yeah. other Disney stuff. That's a pretty fucking good list right there. This this does then bring me to the next question, Tim. Mm-hmm. Um, this Little Mermaid film, mm-hmm. obviously it's not live action. No. Right? It's yeah. not. It's not. It's an animated. But it's going to be animated in the vein of Tangled, Frozen, Frozen 2, Moana style. No, I would go with traditional... Oh, interesting. I, I had assumed you were doing yeah. a more modern 3D kind of vibe. I think that's it. I mean, again, I can't say that's going to be good or bad. I think that's just very, very interesting. At that yeah, point. no, I, I, would, I, would, mm. I would have it be. Obviously, so it would be Princess the kind and the of... Frog style, basically. But yeah, Princess and the Frog. Because yeah. um, that is an amazing okay. looking film. Yeah. Princess and the yeah. Frog is incredible. Yeah. And it's fine as a film. <laughs> I, I, the film's decent but it looks amazing the visuals are very yeah, very impressive yeah. Yeah. yes I, I think it's very interesting yeah no sorry i thank you thank you for clarifying yeah no it's a, a very good question yeah i think i think because you have that established look for the little mermaid and it, and it is a great look like mm-hmm. transit turning that into 3d would be it would be kind of a little bit uh it would lose something like. yeah yeah, it, yeah it i can see what you mean a bit um uncanny valley almost hmm. i think it risks having that the hair mechanic could be a bit of a fucking nightmare. Yes, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, com- combining the difficulties of Monsters, Inc. and Finding Nemo for the animators. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, so, no, I've, I've stuck with those original directors, but yeah, it would, be, it would be 2D animated. Obviously, I'd imagine, as most Disney stuff, e- even 2D animated stuff is nowadays, you get a little bit of a computer assist, and obviously computer... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Computers it's not skills. hand-drawn in 2019. Yeah, no, no. It'd, be, it'd be far too impractical. Even as, even as a sort of, like, jolly experiment, I don't think they actually do it that way, but yes, yes. Yeah. So, yes, they're, uh, Clements and Musk are obviously fantastic directors, really know how to put together uh, a classical Disney film. And but are also like experienced with kind of working up to the modern day. You know, they did Moana, so it's you know. Yeah. Uh returning cast. Uh we have Samuel E. Wright as Sebastian. We also have uh Will Ryan returning. Uh, in the original he is just he is just called Seahorse. He's the little seahorse <laughs> who announces King Triton. Okay. Uh I have given him a name. Fish in that film has a name. Why does he not have a name? Yeah, How I've weird. given him a name. I've called him Bugle. I have no idea if that oh, would, okay. if that Makes would come sense. up in the film, but that's what he's that's what he's getting credited as. Uh, retained cast. So this is this is people who were in the in Ariel's beginning, but who weren't in Little Mermaid, but who I am keeping. I'm with sure. you. Yep. Okay. So as King Triton, uh, because the original person who portrayed him in in Little Mermaid and Little Mermaid Two had passed away at this point. Yes. We have uh, Jim Cummings. Jim Cummings is great. Who, yeah, who obviously he replaced him in Ariel's Beginning, a long-established voice actor, probably best known as the voice of Winnie oh, yeah. the Pooh, um, yes, which you would not know if you heard him doing his King Triton. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I have him, as he does in Ariel's Beginning, I have him doing a dual role as well. He is also playing a fish Ooh. called Lumpy in this. There's quite Fucking a few dual roles in the original, which is really weird. Like yeah. The thing I particularly noticed is one of the men who has... It's a, a man who has one of the most distinctive voices in voice acting, Rob Paulson, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who you may know as Yakko from the Animaniacs and yeah. stuff like that. He's got an incredibly distinctive voice, plays two completely different characters. He's like a stingray and an octopus or something. And it's like, why is Rob Paulson voicing both of these characters? Yeah. <laughs> Cheaper. 
Yeah. No, he's probably quite expensive. <laughs> That's a good point. But cheap because they got there on the need, day. Need to be voiced by anyone in particular. And I love Rob Paulson. Don't he's like you know legendary voice actor. But like, why is he? Why is he both of those characters? He has such a distinctive voice. You're like you can't really get away from it. It's very fair. strange choice. Yeah. But cool. Love Jim Cummings. Good choice. Yeah. Keep keep. Yeah, him. and I thought he did. He did a fun. He's obviously we've discussed Triton is terrible in Ariel's beginning, but the sound, the voice acting's good. Correct. Yeah. Performance is good. Characters are terrible. As Flounder. Uh, we have Parker Goris, again. Oh, okay. Yeah. Did a fine job. Is, yep. Is he too old at this point? Well, he sound fine. Wouldn't he be squeaky high voice bastard? I assume that he would be fine. If not... Actors, voice actors, you can get this stuff working yeah, out. Yeah, exactly. I have the... So the sisters are also in this, and I've used the same voice actresses for those. I mean, they're all very good. So we have... And, and, voice actor and, wise. And, and, and as I list them off, if you know voice acting at all, you will recognise these names. Yeah, so yeah. Tara Strong plays Adela and Andrina. Jennifer Hale plays Alana. Uh, Grey Delisle plays Aquata and Arista. And Kari Walgren plays Atina. Uh, and they oh, are literally huge names. Yeah, huge names. Huge names yeah. in voice acting, like massive veterans of the industry, incredibly versatile. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can't really go wrong with those. Going back to Rob Paulson very quickly, basically all of those people have appeared on his podcast, Talking Tunes. If you're interested in voice acting and stuff, I highly recommend that podcast of Rob interviewing his you know, colleagues oh. and going into the industry and stuff like that. It's one of my favourite podcasts. Mm-hmm. So, mm, yeah, cool. Quick little recommendation there. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's kind of uh, your, your classic voice actors. And then for the new cast, I've gone, uh, I've gone uh, a little bit more star-studded. Uh, sure. So... As Ariel, uh, because I have a significantly younger Ariel, I didn't want to use Jodie Benson, even though she does a great job. She was Ariel in the 89. She plays Ariel mm. again in Ariel's beginning, but they're very similar ages. And She's so... surprisingly good considering the age difference. It's literally like 20 yes. years later, and, and Jodie no, Benson she's good. basically yeah. holds her own as a as a teen when she might be 50-something at yeah. that point. Yeah, <laughs> um, she does well. But I wasn't sure if she could do a six-year-old yeah. Ariel as as well, and so I kind of took the sense. opportunity to recast um, for someone who's a bit closer to that age. Uh, and I've gone with McKenna Grace, who mm. is an actress who's shown up in a bunch of kind of small roles. Uh, she was in the Chris Evans film Gifted, where she plays like a mm. gifted, the Mark Webb film, yes, yeah, of course. like a gifted yeah. Yeah, yeah. child. Yeah, you. It, she's one of those people who you probably recognise her if you saw her. It's played a lot of like. Daughters to famous actress, uh, actors and actresses. She's like yes, tw- yes. 12 or 13 at yes. that time. So it's like totally she, makes sense. I, th- I, yeah. I hope she'll go and have a, a good career, to be honest, because she's quite talented from what I've seen her in. Yeah. Which is predominantly gifted. Um, as uh, Queen Amphitrite. I love it, Tim. I love that <laughs> pun. Fucking uh, hell. Which, which is a. Uh, uh, she is a figure from Greek mythology. She was like Poseidon's wife, basically. So, sure. you know, uh, we have Emmy Rossum. Oh, good choice. Um, I like Emmy Rossum. Uh, recently, most people know probably from Shameless, the uh, American mm. version of Shameless. Um, but famously, kind of, I think her debut role or a very early role was in uh, Joel Schumacher's Phantom of the Opera. Mm, uh, yes. And she is... She, with Jared Butler. With Jared Butler, <laughs> weirdly. Uh, and she is someone who can sing the hell out of a song so you know true i wanted true. I, uh, you know i wanted someone who could do the musical numbers um and also was a good actress Fair. as our villain of the piece 
Scylla, Jane Krakowski. Yeah, brilliant. Uh, people may know from uh, going quite far back, Ali McBeal, or more recently, yeah. 30 Rock and uh, Unbeatable Kimmy Schmidt. Unbreakable. Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. There we go. Unbreakable. Um, a fantastic comedic actress and also mm. a hell of a Broadway star. Tony nominated, possibly Tony winning, I think. Yeah. I can't remember if she's won one. Couldn't confirm that, yeah. Um, but again, I wanted someone who could sing. Um, and with, I, th- I always think with a Disney villain, having someone who can do a good comedy performance is crucial. Um, and like, yeah, just having Jenna Maroney from 30 Rock as like a Disney yeah. villain, I thought would work well. Yes, she's got that energy, I think would be very mm-hmm. fitted very quickly, basically, and very easily. Yeah, good job. Uh, and then finally, a, a quite a minor role uh, as Miss Sledge. I have uh, Judy Reyes, who is probably best known as Carla from Scrubs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Question, Tim. Yes. Good answer. Um, Let's be like, no, shut up. <laughs> I, I don't know um, if it comes up in the pitch, in which case tell me to fuck right off. Mm-hmm. But um, do we need a description? Because my, my sort of Greek mythology thing is firing in my head with the word Scylla. So are we are these all fish people? Or do we need a description of what the kind of fish people they are? There will be descriptions in the script. Oh, yes, that's what I love. Uh, what, I can te- what I can tell you is Queen Queen Amphitrite, I don't have her just look like Ariel, <laughs> which uh, oh, Athena does. Bold, bold choice. Um, Interesting. Good. You have a Disney parent who doesn't look exactly like their more famous child. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. Don't think that's going to fly with the, with the big D company. If, if, I, different time. if I was in charge, I would not even have her be a redhead. I would have her be a blonde. <gasps> No, because I would agree with because that. Because young Triton is a redhead, and so I'm like, that's yeah. it comes from his side, and that binds yeah. them together better as a family. Like Dolph Lundgren in Aquaman. <laughs> exactly. Uh, you took the words right out of nobody's mouth there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so I, I don't really. I, I, uh, beyond that, I don't really have a look in mind for her. Um, sure. But she'd obviously be a mermaid, and then uh, what uh, colours her tail? Is the real question. That is a good question. Um, it's the same colour of a sea and they're really, really hard to see. Yeah. <laughs> There's a half a body floating around. She's like Predator. Yes. <laughs> from the from the waist down, Predator Active from the body camouflage. Random woman. Uh, and yes, for the others for the others we get a description. So Sure. Good good. Um so that's the that's the primary voice cast. I've got a couple of uh little cameos in there hey nice uh, which, Ooh, we'll, which hello. we'll get to uh, as cool. we go through um and also before we before we start the pitch proper i have sort so of tweaked there's, the there, there's a thing in your notes here yes. that i am very intrigued by and uh, it, was the, well. it was it was the first thing i read i would skipped the it's, it was, it's in caps it's in all caps like below the card for, for the listening audience above the pitch but below all the cast in all caps Allow me to introduce this for you, Tim. It just says, explain Atlantica layout slash geography. Yes. I, like, I couldn't be more fascinated. Because <laughs> what the fuck? So, yeah. So what I do, and I, I, this is this is where me not watching, this is the one time where me not watching Ariel, Ariel begins, well, Ariel carries on. My Little Mermaid 2. <laughs> Ariel carries on. Uh, uh, the Call of the Sea. Call yes. of the Sea. There we go. Might Might screw me over. Uh, because I don't think anything that I've done here contradicts anything in The Little Mermaid, as far as I can tell. So hopefully it also doesn't contradict 
Call of the Sea. So that one's so far in the future, right? Like things could have changed, I exactly. guess. Exactly. Like, yeah. If you're, we, we assume. Yeah. And also, no one will care. I mean, that's the. I'm other kidding. Thing. It's Disney. It's, well, Emma, yeah. Emma might care. Uh, yeah, the people Disney who are filling out the fan wikis with incorrect information, they'll care. Howard Shaw. Fucking hell. Howard Shaw. Fucking Clint Howard. So. What I would do in this film, Atlantica, which is kind of the the city where Ariel lives, I'm in Spider um, Rocks. It is I I would basically position it so that it, it's obviously still underwater, but I would have it so that it is next to kind of a, an underwater cliff that goes to a deeper part of the ocean. Because a trench, a kind of a trench type thing. Are we Aquaman. going full Aquaman style? <laughs> because trench, essentially, yeah. uh, we just when we see it, it's just on the bottom of the sea floor. Yes. But I, I essentially want to establish that it is obviously quite far down in the water, but there is deeper for them to still go. And that's, the sea is a dark depth. Yeah, exactly. yeah of course. Of course. Um, so essentially, I'm, it, it's, it's almost, it's, it's turning Atlantica into a city that's next to a cliff. It's just a cliff that if most of the inhabitants run off the edge of it, they just keep going. Yes, of course. <laughs> uh, so so that, that is, that is the, the key fact to remember because the kind of, how deep down they are and the fact that this edge exists where there's a kind of big drop off of the land of course out into this kind of slightly wilder opener ocean uh exists is, is so a, they, is a they have part. that moment in the lion king of like don't go to that it's the dark part we don't go there <laughs> yeah don't go over the is it like a drop and if you have that in the sea we have like an underwater cliff i'm sure that so there's a that proper the diving term. term for it yeah it's weird, isn't it? Because technically speaking, the way gravity works, you can just swim over it. It's just the bottom happens just to fall out beneath you. Ah, but there are currents and shit. But that's the thing, exactly. Yes, the gravity yeah. isn't necessarily the problem; it's the current, exactly. Yeah. And and waterfalls do exist underwater because of different, they do. different pressures and different yes. gravities of different liquids and stuff. Mm. So if you get hot and cold water in the same place, you can get weird shit going on and stuff mm. like that. So and and in the same way that you can be in water that is four inches taller than you are and so you're just above you know the, the bottom of the swimming pool yeah and you can know that and and you can move to the the deep end of the pool where there's maybe like two foot and it suddenly feels very different even though you have yes, no different experience same. if you're wading there, there's a yeah. kind of a psychological weird mm-hmm. body sense that you get of you know how deep you are and where the floor starts kind of thing if you're on a big ship and you're in the harbour and he'll say I don't know which is more terrifying when you're in a giant ship and it'll say just as a factual thing mm. your longitude latitude is this we're here we are a port of wherever in, in, in uh, Sardinia or something and the, the the distance between the the hull of the ship and the bottom of the port is X amount of metres and you're like Jesus Christ no 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 <laughs> and then you get to the middle of the ocean and it's like oh it's hundreds of like no 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 <laughs> and both are somehow terrifying yeah, yeah. ocean's fucked up yeah so that that is all the relevant information you need going in, just because obviously cool, cool. that is a difficult concept to explain once we get into the flow of a pitch. No, I, I understand exactly where you're coming from. That makes complete sense. Okay. So the film opens 10 years before the events of The Little Mermaid, with Ariel as a curious but slightly shy six-year-old. All of Atlantica is abuzz as the merfolk and fishes prepare for the annual Coral Bloom Festival, and we witness Sebastian taking care of finishing touches for a procession through the city while singing the song an ocean of colour. We see a younger-looking King Triton with a bright red beard and Queen Amphitrite as they swim through the city and into the palace, waving to the people as they go. Inside the palace, the pair examine a large glowing pearl set into a pedestal. In their bedroom, Ariel's sisters, aged 7 to 12, discuss what they are looking forward to at the festival 
while their governess, Miss Sledge, a friendly hammerhead shark, urges them to get ready. Aquata, the oldest, wants to help her father oversee the celebrations, while Andrina is looking forward to seeing her friends, and Arista wants to show off her new jewellery. Atina is excited to see the colourful corals, Adela wants to take part in the traditional games, and Alana wants to ride in a turtle carriage. As Miss Sledge ushers her... Ch- no, I just want to point out here, Sledge is a pun. I'm happy about that. Um, as <laughs> Ms- <laughs> Thought I'd snuck it in there fast. No, 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 no. As Miss Sledge is like, oh, uh, Tim, what are, the, what are these things? Yeah, don't worry, there'll be a description later, Matt. You fucker. Um, <laughs> as Miss Sledge ushers the girls down to the procession, Ariel hangs back. She gazes out of the window at the procession path, which leads out of the city and into the open water of the ocean. Staring at the vast, endless sea, Ariel looks apprehensive. Fucking rightly so. Christ, the, the void stares back. <laughs> um, but Miss Sludge returns and brings her along to join her sisters. At the edge of Atlantica, two fish help to prepare the decorations as Sebastian makes his rounds, checking everything is ready. After Sebastian leaves, one of the shell sculptures gets knocked and tumbles down a slope, dropping <gasps> off into the deeper dark water below. One of the fish, Lumpy, swims down to find it, making his way through seaweed and rock formations as the ocean gets darker. Eventually, he spots a glowing light and is drawn closer, almost hypnotised. Oh. oh, I think we know where this is going. Hmm. Go towards a glowing light underwater. Great idea. <laughs> Just as he's about to touch it, a terrifying anglerfish... Yep. A terrifying anglerfish like Scylla appears, wrapping him up in luminous tendrils. I'm grossed out already <laughs> she sings a song about how she's been exiled to the deepest parts of the ocean called down in the dark great title tim mm-hmm. but she has a plan to change all that and as the song continues she releases lumpy her lights having fully bewitched him the song ends and she and lumpy start to swim up towards the distant atlantica back in atlantica king triton goofs around with his doors of the he procession does. prepares to leave that <laughs> lovable he's not, a, he's not an asshole this time yeah burn music <laughs> to be fair, he did start that way until his wife got hit by a ship. Yeah. Um, and overworked Sebastian scurries back and forth, adjusting their tiaras and telling them to swim up straight before signalling Bugle, the seahorse, to announce the royal family. Bugle introduces Triton's daughters, and we see Ariel is clearly shy in front of the big crowd. When Bugle finally gets to the king and queen, the ceremony comes to a halt, as they realise Queen Amphitrite isn't there. Triton shakes his head, saying, Oh, Amy! <laughs> That's how decided he sounds. So he's <laughs> Richard Nixon. Oh, Amy. <laughs> I'm going to do that. Now. Oh, Amy. You'll forget your tail if it wasn't attached. Um, before dispatching Ariel and Sebastian to find her. Ariel and Sebastian swim to the palace and quickly find the queen in her workshop, which is filled with artifacts from the human world. Mm. Seeing Ariel and Sebastian, she holds up a rusty lantern and explains she thinks the humans use it to hold some kind of luminescent sky plankton, rambling for a little until she sees Sebastian's expression and, slapping her forehead, exclaims, The coral blooms! That's why all the decorations are up! The three swim back to the procession, and the slightly embarrassed Amphitrite is introduced. She and Triton proclaim the festival has begun, and the assembled crowd of merfolk and fish start to head through Atlantica. When Ariel reaches the outskirts of Atlantica, where the crowd is heading out into the deeper ocean, she hesitates, and the parade overtakes her until only a few stragglers are left. Queen Amphitrite notices that Ariel is missing, and, sharing a quick look with King Triton, swims back to find her daughter, who explains that this will be her first time swimming beyond the reaches of Atlantica, and the endless ocean scares her. Queen Amy comforts Ariel, and explains that she doesn't have to go to the Coral Bloom Festival if she doesn't want to. 
Ariel gazes out at the slowly disappearing parade and asks if she can stay there. Ariel and Queen Amy swim back into the deserted Atlantica. Ariel's spirits lift and the two begin to play and laugh as they make their way back to the palace. Queen Amy explains that when she was a little girl, she used to be scared of the surface and of being captured by humans. But as she got older, she decided to learn as much as she could about humans and that made her less afraid. Ariel asks if that means she's never scared anymore. And the Queen explains that being brave isn't about never being scared, but doing things even when you feel afraid. She's a fucking Green Lantern. <laughs> um, she tells you just Ariel need the willpower, Ariel. <laughs> yeah, just do it. She tells Ariel that she doesn't have to swim out beyond Atlantica until she feels ready. And the two sing a song called "Safe with Me." That is the most Disney bit of the film so far. Like, <laughs> Sound, yeah, it's very, very yeah. Disney. To be brave doesn't mean you're never scared. Safe with me. <laughs> and all the way to Jurassic Park, something, something bad is happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ariel and Queen Amphitrite arrive at the palace, but the Queen notices something is awry, with a number of the swordfish guards acting dazed and hypnotised. Swimming to a vault-like room, the pair find Scylla attempting to steal the Pearl of Poseidon, the glowing orb we saw earlier. The Queen tells Ariel to hide while she distracts Scylla, swimming quickly around the treasure room's columns so that Scylla's tendrils become tangled and knotted. Queen Amy is able to grab the Pearl before Scylla can free herself, and she and Ariel swim out of the palace as quickly as they can. At the Coral Bloom Festival, Ariel's sisters and King Triton are enjoying themselves, swimming among the beautiful coral forest and playing games. Sebastian readies his band and plays a song called Hide and Seek, featuring a vocal cameo by Camille Cabello. There you go, nice little cameo there, Tim. We cut between the dancing merfolk frolicking among the coral and Atlantica, where Ariel and the Queen are desperately trying to escape the pursuing Scylla and her enslaved guards. As she and Ariel try to lose Scylla in a kelp patch, the Queen explains that she knows somewhere where they can hide the pearl, but Ariel will need to be brave. Ariel says she can be, and she and Queen Amphitrite swim over to the edge of Atlantica and down towards a group of wrecked ships. Away from the city in the deeper, darker waters, Ariel grows nervous and clings closely to her mother as they hide among the wrecks. Queen Amy explains that the Pearl of Poseidon generates the magical power of Atlantica and could be used to do dreadful things in the wrong hands. At the festival, Ariel's sisters are still enjoying themselves, taking part in the various activities they mentioned earlier. But as they sing the song Someone Special, they begin to notice that Ariel and Queen Amphitrite are missing, and as the song finishes, they rush to tell their father and Sebastian. Worried that his wife and youngest daughter haven't arrived yet, King Triton and Ariel's sisters start to swim back to Atlantica, while Sebastian, who's been busy dancing with Miss Sledge, is left in charge of festivities. Nice. Getting some weird interspecies loving going on. With a crab massive shark. size differential. Yeah. Do you think their ba- their baby's like water noose from Monsters University? Yes, Monsters absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of like crab legs, but a sort of shark face. Yeah. Multiple eyes. Definitely. Weird. Good night, children. <laughs> <laughs> the Disney nightmares. <laughs> Queen Amy tries to comfort Ariel, telling her that the others will be back soon to help but Scylla tracks the pair down. The Queen tries to delay Scylla and gives the pearl to Ariel, who swims out from the wrecks to escape, but she quickly becomes frightened. When Scylla appears with the Queen wrapped up in her tendrils, the terrified Ariel drops the pearl, and a laughing Scylla swims after it, dragging the trapped Queen down into the depths with her. Scared and alone, Ariel swims back to the wrecks and begins to cry. (laughs) Fucking brave. (laughs) A small child... Brave, small child... (laughs) <laughs> I'll be more fucking brave 
but I took a shit on your lawn. I don't know what I'm talking about. Um, what? I don't know. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> right. A small childlike fish appears and tries to comfort her, introducing himself as Flounder. Because mm-hmm. he's small, childlike, and scared of shit. Anyway. Like the Flounder's character kind... Flounder from The Little Mermaid. <laughs> yeah, it actually makes fucking sense. He didn't come in going, skippy the bap Oh, that's a good sound. <laughs> fucking twat. Like Harry <laughs> Connick Jr. or something. Um, <laughs> when Flounder's kind words remind her of what her mother said about being brave, Ariel grows determined and asks Flounder to swim up to Atlantica and find her father. Ariel grabs a small clump of bioluminescent plants and stuffs them inside one of the lanterns from the wreck and starts to swim after Scylla and her mother. In Scylla's lair, Queen Amphitrite listens as the anglerfish explains her plan to use the Pearl of Poseidon to transport Atlantica down into the dark depths, where she will hypnotise the entire population into worshipping her. As Scylla prepares her spell, Ariel arrives and manages to free her mother. The pair swim to the entrance of Scylla's lair, but the Queen hesitates, saying they have to stop Scylla's spell before it's too late. Up in Atlantica, Triton and the others have arrived back and encountered the bewitched Lumpy, who attempts to fight the king to hilarious results. So it's, J- it's Jim Cummings versus Jim Cummings. Just exactly. Back- <laughs> battling it out, basically. <laughs> Flounder arrives and explains the situation to the remaining royal family, and Triton leads his daughters as they charge down towards Scylla's lair. At the cave entrance, Queen Amphitrite tells Ariel that when she's feeling scared, she just needs to remember that the world is full of amazing beauty, even in the darkest places. Is that the quote from Harry Potter? <laughs> the Queen instructs Ariel to tell her sisters how much she loves them and to tell King Triton that she will miss him and then swims into the cave to confront Scylla. Ariel calls after her mother as the Queen and Scylla begin to fight, struggling over the pearl. King Triton and Ariel's sisters arrive and find Ariel and they rush into the cave just in time to see the Queen share one final look with them. Before Scylla's spell misfires and the queen and the anglerfish disappear in a swirl of magic. That's a fucking anime thing to happen. Look back, one look, and then... And then you just get crushed. Okaza! Except that means dad, not mother. The Pearl of Poseidon drops to the sea floor, glowing dimly, as King Triton cries out in despair. Oh, like in in Eros Beginning. Um, Silently, we follow the king and his daughters as they return to Atlantica. King Triton explains that with the power of the pearl, the queen could have been transported to anywhere in the seven seas. Later, Ariel places the lantern she took from the wreck in a hidden cave, in the start of her own collection of human artifacts. We jump forward to the future. <gasps> As a grown-up Ariel... doing a prequel sequel. Oh god. <laughs> ah, fucking 300. As a grown-up Ariel gazes out across the ocean from Prince, now King, Eric's castle. Ah. A cry from the sea grabs her attention and she sees Flounder calling to her. She and Prince Eric, played by traditional voice actors Jodie Benson and Christopher Daniel Barnes, brilliant, rush out to the sea on his boat to where King Triton, her sisters, Sebastian and Flounder have gathered. Ariel holds a telescope to her eye and in the distance she spies a mermaid travelling near the surface in a dolphin chariot. The chariot crests the surface of the waves and reveals Queen Amphitrite, older but still recognisable. And as Safe With Me reprises, we watch the Queen reunite with her long-lost family. Interesting. Nice. Doesn't that fuck up Little Mermaid too? Well, no, no, it, it, <laughs> not necessarily. It works if Melody's there as well. 
Ah, uh, yes. And right. That. Yes. Yeah. Sure. So sure. this is yeah, yeah. Yeah. After yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. 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 You have to it, set it after two. Otherwise, why isn't the queen in two? I yeah. guess. Yeah. yeah that I hadn't, but that's fine. I you hadn't just... considered that. No, that's fine because that's easy enough to do. Because if I want, everyone goes, oh, who's that? It's like, well, it's obviously their fucking daughter. Yeah. Jesus, <laughs> you fucking plum. It's just Eric's face on a girl's body. Because <laughs> that's how cartoon kids work. That's, yeah. that's the rules. Um, with, with Ariel's jawline. Uh, but no, I, I, yeah, I like that. That was good. And mm. I think there's a, a little sort of um, the ending as well with the Safe With Me uh, safe with me reprise and things like that, being a bit um, frozen too in places. There's some good stuff there, Tim. I like that. That's a much, much more solid thing. And the fact that you did this as a traditional animation Disney Plus launch title really... Bold. I, I don't want to... Yeah, I don't... In the same way that that feeling I had with like with Zulu Dawn, for example, like, <laughs> shit, that dude, Steve McQueen, that's such a, of course, yeah, and it dictates yeah. how the whole thing works. You putting on Disney Plus as this kind of film, it's a, it's a bold, and it's, as Jack said, very bold, and it's a very, very novel approach to it because it makes complete sense. And we do talk about these things quite a lot when it comes to Disney films. Mm-hmm. When we talk about like Solo, we talked about it, and we're always talking about the film, but then we stop and we start talking about the, the sort of almost boring admin of the company shit. Mm. The, the the nature of what it means for Disney, and I think to be fair, that dictates everything. Yeah, it's nostalgia it does, as well as it? yeah, and that's a, that's an important thing for this company. So I think that's you've made it make a lot of sense, basically. So I I think it's a solid fix, personally. I have only I two agree. little things, but yeah, yeah, I really like tying it into so Ariel basically inheriting her mother's uh, attraction to the human artifacts thing. That's cool because mm-hmm. that's such a big part, and as we mentioned, like part of your world moment in the first one is such a big part of that and it's insane that that nearly wasn't in the film but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and i really like how you have that that's almost like her honoring her mother in that little lantern and that little moment so you have that it, it, as we said like three doesn't affect one in any way at this mm. point but in this version that makes her interest in that way more significant and more personal yeah so it actually makes the first one better and more interesting and gives it more gravitas which i think helps a lot also also makes king triton way more of a dick when he blows half of it up (laughs) yes yes it does yeah yeah. true yeah true yeah i I, when i was when i was going into watching this and like so many there, there was a certain point in disney history before kind of things like the bechdel test became um a known thing where the only Disney film where the parents of the title character were both alive and present at the end of the film was 101 Dalmatians. (laughs) Jesus. Uh, Jesus Christ. That doesn't surprise me. Like, obviously, you know, you watch Little Mermaid and there's no mention of her mother whatsoever. Uh, And Mm -hmm. her her dad is kind of a grumpy dick. And so I was like, oh, that makes sense. Like, clearly at some point they've lost the mother. And so... That, Don't talk about and, it. And, and he's sad. So when I started up Little Mermaid, uh, Ariel's beginning, and I was like, ah, look, so the, the mother's in it, and they're gonna. This is gonna be exploring like what happened to the mother, and then she instantly gets hit by a boat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yep. so they fridge her thirty seconds after she appears, basically. Correct. Yes. Uh, and so I was like, no, she does. A, she deserves to have a personality beyond. I sing and have your hair. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I agree. And also I wanted to kind of, like, obviously she can't be there for Ariel growing up, but I wanted to find a way to either make that 
make her sacrifice or make her death meaningful. Sure. Or, uh, as I've done in this case, she's not actually dead. She's just zapped very far away and it takes her like 15, 15 20 years, years to get yeah. back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because the oceans are big, y'all. <laughs> True. So I got a question. Go for it. Two questions, in fact. Oh. And they're more for clarification purposes, I guess. Mm. Thing number one. The songs the are Pearl good. Of Pers- oh, that's all I needed. That's, they're, they're good and memorable. <laughs> they're that's good, they're good. good songs. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. I, I, I trust that entirely. Um, no, The Pearl of Poseidon. Mm-hmm. So King Triton's trident, mm-hmm. that's correct, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Is what he uses to control the sea. Yeah. But the pearl is what controls the city. Is that correct? Uh, yeah, I mean, I kind of picture it uh, almost like power station. power station kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. Uh, not necessarily like controlling the city, but like it kind no, of no, no. keeps it powered and functional. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, it it can't be superseded by the trident, for example, because I think the thing is because Ursula's so hungry for the trident and Morgana or whatever her name is, Thirsty for the, is the same thing. Yeah, thirst, thirsty for the trident. Three prongs. Um, it. it <laughs> I don't know what that means. Um, <laughs> yes, you do. The I- yeah, I do. Just just the concept, I guess that. That's the most powerful thing, but this is the most important thing in this moment. Yeah, and can, I, yeah, and that I makes guess, sense. I uh, the thing it, it's the thing that could do what Scylla wanted to do, which was the kind of the transport it down to the bottom of the ocean. Whereas the okay, that's good. The, good, the, good. The, the Triton, tr- the Trident, is probably more powerful, but in different. Its power is expressed in different ways. Yeah, because you haven't just done the same thing again film wise, mm. and I like that. It's, it's still you know I want to take the artifact thing. Yeah, but that's the nature of these kind of films. I just like that it's not the same thing again, which is which is good. That's the thing. Thank you for clarification. Thing number two, and it's a tricky one. Mm-hmm. Um, because you say, you mentioned the start of the episode not being maybe necessarily aware of this. So I would say, can we possibly incorporate it? Mm. Um, so, Ursula. Yes. I feel there'd be something interesting. Okay, so here's, here's the quandary I have. Part of me really wants Ursula in this to work with Scylla in the sense of like, yeah, fine, take the city. I don't give a shit. Mm. Um, because if you do that, I'll let you in the back door. I'll be the sneaky villain, as it were. Um, and then, you know, I just want that trident, etc. And she gets banished from the court and becomes Ursula that we know. However, there is a problem with that because seemingly Ariel doesn't really know much about Ursula, the sea witch, yeah. as it were. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so you can't have her at six years old just going, I remember her. Yeah. You kicked her out. <laughs> Um, so it's it is a bit tricky and difficult. I'm I've always thought the classic thing should be that Ursula should be uh, Ariel's mother. Um, Whoa! And it's, I've always thought that. Well, I've because I've that's why Triton hates her. I know that a lot of people kind of headcanon it so that Ursula's her aunt, like Tri- Triton yeah. and, and Ursula yes. are brother and sister. Yeah. That works. That's quite interesting. Um, but no, so I'd like her in there somewhere, but also I wouldn't because I think it detracts too much from the film. I think it's it's a bit of a sort of. It is tricky. Because, I can't make it work because it's, it's that thing of, like you say, like Ariel can't have really faced her before or have any yeah. memory because she has to trust her when we get to the Little Mermaid. So if you have, if you want to have her and Ariel in the same film, Ariel needs to be so young that she's she won't necessarily remember her, which makes her hard. It makes it hard to have, have then Ariel as a protagonist. Her as, as well. a lead, she becomes she becomes Boo in Monsters Inc. Yeah. Where she's just like yeah. I guess if you were to do a Marina Del Rey thingy and have her as a mer person who then sort of transforms who is then cursed out as a sea witch and given a new alias of Ursula. Yeah. Um and that's why she doesn't recognize her. Yeah. And, and such that could work cuz then also the audience wouldn't go oh shit people who eagle eye would but mm. I think it might detract I don't know if it, I think it'd be an interesting subplot 
I think you yeah. could do that quite a nice way you could, without you could, being. You could almost you could kind of have her perhaps um, sub in for Lumpy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not a bad. And, show. and yeah. uh, either have her as a co-conspirator or even have her be duped if you wanted to make her more sympathetic. Like she's yes. been duped into letting Scylla into the city. I mean, everyone's hypnotized, so it's not untoward. It's just the Triton's a vindictive twat. Yes. Um, mm. And then, yeah, then have her be banished and Scylla be the one who kind of transforms her into something new. Sure, sure. Um, mm. I was thinking along the lines of having, as you kind of said, Matt, Ursula as a mer person, maybe who gets corrupted by Scylla and maybe in that spell moment that takes away queen and Scylla mm. she's mm. she's like left with the power and tries to harness the the pearl or whatever it is and like that corrupts her and in gross like body horror style the tentacles start. Cronenberg <laughs> yes. Cron- directed by Cronenberg and her get, murfish legs split into yeah, the- yeah the murfish legs like explode into tentacles and suddenly she's yeah yeah Ooh. yeah maybe that's a bit too much but <laughs> <laughs> nah fuck it yeah I, I think having her transform because the mer people are mer people and there's fishes and stuff but mm. it's never really like oh yeah there's a whole other bunch of octopus people like what <laughs> she's neither a mer person nor a fish person so she's like fish a weird uh, hybrid yeah technically yeah. she's not an octopus person she's a squid person because she has six legs not eight ah i didn't know that there you go. is easier to animate <laughs> very good point <laughs> She's, she's a, a smaller beak. Or she's a sextopus, about right now. <laughs> I don't know, maybe. Maths. Yeah. Um, Just like I have how one last... Hank in Finding Dory is a septopus as well. He's only got seven. Yes. Oh, yeah. Nobody nobody can do eight, apparently. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> lazy animators. Hide one in the back. Make one a scarf. There you go. Problem solved. Nice. Yeah. Just wrap it around. That's like a Pokemon thing. I have one last question, Tim. Go for it. Uh, Scylla and Queen... Amphitrite mm-hmm. disappear in a swirl of magic. Yes. And then we see Amphitrite yep. riding some fucking dolphins out of nowhere, like, all right, what's up, boys? Yeah. I found my way back. I had to crawl from the other side of the world. Mm. Cool. Very cool. What happens to Scylla? Well, that could be explored in in a sequel. A sequel, potentially. Oh my God. A sequel, prequel. Or a, or prequel, a Disney, Disney Plus series, perhaps. Bring back the little, Ooh, the little Mermaid they, cartoon. They, they, they did do an animated prequel they, series they, as well, which we didn't really uh, touch upon earlier. Yeah. But was yeah, it a prequel? Or was it... It was, yeah. Oh, of course it young, was. It's young still Ariel. A, she's still a yep. mermaid. She's fish. still a mer yeah. person, exactly. And yeah. I, I looked that up and it only had like 18 episodes or something like that. Correct. Yeah, and I think it, it's 20, 20-something, 20 but yeah. And... I thought that that had lasted for ages. I have I have no memories of like what happened in individual episodes. I just remember there was a boy fish about mm, like yeah. a little bit younger than Ariel, and they were like pals. I mean, and that's... classically the way things were shown on television at the time when we were kids. Mm. I thought Bucky O'Hare had like nine seasons. Yeah, it didn't have like ten episodes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> they that just was it. they just repeat yeah. them over and over and over. We, yeah. we, you never see the start. Had, you never see the end. You I see had the, the same thing with Faulty Towers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I had assumed like, oh my god, there's there's like all this filler bullshit, and all the episodes I know are like the classics. Yeah, and they've mm-hmm. all been hand selected by whoever person <laughs> decides how TV works. When I was a kid, I was like, yeah, yeah, you know, there's the one about the war, and there's one where Manuel does the thing, and you know, all that stuff. Like, no, that's all the episodes, Jack. <laughs> what? Yeah, there's like there's like seven of them. What? <laughs> the fuck? No, no, it's a legacy spanning, hugely influential British. Nope. There's like ten nope. episodes. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Okay. Well. We just repeat everything. Yeah. We just replay the same ten for the last thirty-five years. So. 
that's it it's like, oh, I okay. mean, we we did have lots of shows like Dad's Army that went on for like nine seasons. Mm, it's like stupid, true. but you know, and, and British yeah. TV has kind of become infamous for doing that with like yeah, the, the Office yeah. and Luther and Sherlock and stuff. Will being like, it's a three episode season. Like, yeah, what, what do you mean? That's not a season. That's just three episodes of something. Yeah, yep. <laughs> that's, Luther, that's a prelude. It's a one and a half episode season. Yeah, what? No, no, that's not how that works. Not nah, nah, tough. But they're basically two films. And, like, wow. Yeah, and America's like a thirty-six episode season, and they're all twenty-two minutes. Like, Fucking <laughs> hell! I think I prefer the shorter ones, but still. Um, and there's uh, anime. Yes. And anime. Yeah. You like that One Piece? <laughs> Speaking of pirate ships. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. One Piece, the title that does not reflect the contents whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. One piece of a show that is never ending. Um, so. I like this, Tim. Mm-hmm. I think you've done a good fix. I think it's a good balance of um, it doesn't. It's not more grand than the first one in that prequel sense of like trying to exacerbate, you know, mm-hmm. the, the yeah. It's also good enough for when like this contemporary audience who are watching it now won't say like oh, that was dull. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's decent. It's also a new Disney film rather than just a remake of an old Disney film. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, like a live action Little Mermaid is probably coming at some point, but more importantly, this doesn't feel like that. It feels like another adventure, which I think would be, it would work in its favour at the time of release. Subsequently, where you've got like people saying, oh, Christ, yeah, Maleficent 2. Okay, fine, that's a new property. And okay, yeah, if I had live action Lion King made all the money and mm. all that sort of stuff. And live action Aladdin disappoint some people, please others, etc., etc., etc. Like we're doing a, a Little Mermaid prequel. Oh, live action Little Mermaid film. Yeah, we're doing that, but this is different. And like oh, and you might get people actually more genuinely invested, more interested. Mm. Like, and also, we're doing it in this animation style. Oh, very interesting. So I think I think that's you, you've made two or three key key um, choice elements, shall we say? And I think doing that is is very um, crucial to this film's success, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, yeah. I had I had like a few kind of key things that I wanted to do going into it. I considered having the sisters play more of a role. Like um, I kind of sure. at, at least wanted them to have. Uh, again, they don't really get arcs just because there's six of them, which I know comes <laughs> yeah. from the Hans Christian Andersen thing. But like Jesus yeah. Christ. Um, but I they each have kind of a thing that they want to do at the beginning and then we get to see them do that thing and like that the, there's a distinguishing you know one of them's kind of the slightly sporty one and one of them's the slightly bookish one and kind of there's, spice girls yeah there's there's baby merspice and yes. sporty merspice <laughs> and scary merspice yep <laughs> uh yeah so I, I kind of wanted wanted that to um at least have clearer distinctions between them um sure and no one's going to be expecting it because, let's face it, in Little Mermaid 1 and 2, they're not that developed. So no one's going to go, hey, this is a bit outrageous. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. I mean, maybe Kingdom Hearts has like a version. I don't fucking know. But, you know. From from having a quick look around, they remain fairly poorly fleshed out across yeah. every yeah. I, I feel of- like you have to do their thing like maybe you do the animated series which is like a spin-off of just the sisters yes and, yeah. and ariel is like a tertiary character that to whatever or you have a film where like they're a key part of it or something like that yeah but you can't really do here's six separate characters yeah. that all get arcs and also they're the subplot you're like no that's too much that's that's gonna that's yeah. gonna get chaotic very quickly and and also because we treated them as a unit initially. Their character designs are pretty similar. 
Oh yeah, mm. they're just interchangeable hair colors at that, yes. and and, and yeah. tail colors at that point. Yeah, I mean, my dad is one of seven, and uh, I feel like they're all different what types of the his same. Tail? <laughs> Um, I don't think I've ever seen my father's tail, thank ah. you. <laughs> um, well, then maybe you're the melody of the family and you don't know your father's a person. Just I don't want to be a fucking fish person. I don't like <laughs> being... I don't. I hate whales. And maybe that's maybe why, that's why. You, you went like an extra cockney. <laughs> I did. I went very London. I don't want to be a fucking fish person. I don't want to be a fucking fish person. Can't be having with these eels. Eels? Nah. I'm, 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 I'm selling fish down the market. I don't want to be a fucking fish. That's going to be the 2020s, the end all 2020s, isn't it? For me personally. Like, everything's going to end. Cthulhu arrives and says, I'm looking for my son. By the <laughs> way, Matt, you're a, you're a mer person. It's like, fuck's sake. You know. I'm doing sequelizers. Dogden is Gallic for the old god. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> but so, no, I was just saying, there's seven of them and they're all they're all grumpy, but different types of grumpy. So maybe that maybe there's something well, to the whole sleepy the and dopey the same thing. and. Yeah. No, just grumpy. Okay. All grumpy. Seven grumpies. And sleepy as they get older, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, di- I did wonder by kind of dealing so much with uh, like the, the, the deep, dark depths of the ocean, whether I was going to give you some kind of conniption map. Oh, yeah. Knowing, yeah. knowing your fear of what... I didn't include any I whales. Was, I was worried there was going to be a whale coming. Um, a little disappointed that... I kind of wondered, it's like, well, is it still the 1700s where you've got the, the, you know, this, the, the old long sail ship kind of things? Yeah. I thought... Is it too soon to have some sort of steampunky mech suit <laughs> fighting some sort of squid? And I thought, yeah, it's not twenty thousand leagues under the sea. Yeah. Can't I, work. I thought you'd say you're gonna go for like a Moby Dick reference and have this like big terrifying whale go past or something like that. And I've worked out why unhappy. you hate finding Dory now, because it has whales in it. Find Nemo does as well. Terrifying. Yeah. The mech suit comes in Little Mermaid 4, that's what they build to fight Scylla. Using Ooh. using Ariel and the Queen's trash human trash collection, turn it into and a mech suit. designs it. Yeah. yeah, there you go. What we got here is a uh, Gundam. <laughs> <laughs> a what? <laughs> Gundam? Yes, I think no, this is a genius you have, plan. You have seven. You have seven different ones being piloted by one by each of the sisters, and then they combine into a giant. <laughs> so they're the Spice Girls. And a Voltron. <laughs> Tim! Or a Power What Rangers. are you doing? <laughs> I can only get so erect. Jesus Christ. Thank God you, damn, thank man. You, that's Krieger. a great... <laughs> <laughs> I feel very Krieger. I stole that. You're, you're the Krieger of mer people, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that terrible prequel fixed, that pretty much wraps us up. Well done, Tim. You, you mm. fixed a big pile of shit and made it much more interesting and much more digestible. A long string of fish poo. <laughs> oh, they do do that, don't they? They, they, they poo yeah. as they swim and it like goes blah, 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 and like trails <laughs> up. Do mer people do that as well? Yeah, of course they do. Got fish bodies. Yeah, they have all Egg the sex. they have the bodily functions of fish. That's real weird. Yeah, yeah. But they don't have. But they, mm, mm. Um, the we're internet getting, has getting told me that you just pull the fish body down like trousers, and there's an awesome vagina. <laughs> 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 that's how the internet tends to get around it I, I, I imagine 34 <laughs> little oh god oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> stop typing there Jack if any of you have opinions about the Little Mermaid 1, 2 or 3 or the short lived animated series for some reason then uh, you can hit us up on social media we are sequelizers on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook 
all that good stuff. If you want to email us, we're sequelizers at gmail.com. And yeah, they're the easiest ways to get a hold of us. If you want to find anything else and, and contact me on Instagram directly, you can go to JLW Chambers on Twitter, Instagram, not Facebook. Don't be a creep. But <laughs> the other two are fine, and you can discuss terrible Disney prequels with me all day long if you like. And I, the fact that my my partner Emma will probably chime in on that since she's a lot more knowledgeable about the Disney canon than I am. But uh, yeah. If people want to argue about the the possibilities of of Mer reproduction with you, Matt, how how would they do that? Ah, uh, great leading. Um, you can go to Twitter or Instagram with those various pieces. Follow me, S T O G H Z Stogs. You can go to theredrighthand.co.uk and see the reviews I've been writing. I've got a backlog of things I actually need to get written up, and I probably will get around to that at some point, including the um, Disney Plus exclusive Little Mermaid three from November twenty nineteen. It'd be a high singing review. It's it's a good film. That sounds <laughs> a bit. Um, lacked of Vin Diesel, if you answer me. Lacked mm. of Vincent Diesel. Um, and he, he can uh, you can or something. Yeah, he could have cameoed as a flounder, ah. an actual flounder, a, a two, a flat bottom feeding fish with two eyes on the side of the face, going hello. Anyway, um, he, I can see, I can see Vin Diesel voicing a barnacle. Ooh, yes, man. yes, good. You're joking, how about it's all about the family, and then there's like thousands of barnacles. All going, <laughs> yeah, it's oh. about the family. Actually, I think I like him as a barracuda. Moving on, um, and he sings barracuda. Uh, alternatively you can go to cheeseman.com and see the things I make and all that lovely stuff and if you can that'd be wonderful and Tim you fish loving fuck uh, where can people find you uh, you can find me whether I'm wet or dry on oh. twitter oh. at trivia underscore lad that, under the sea that's that's where I'll be under the sea uh, <laughs> drowning in tweets <laughs> uh yeah uh anything that i do around the internet uh i sometimes uh do comic uh blogging and stuff like that uh or appear in shows that matt makes uh but that will get shared True. on twitter so that's the best place to keep track of me uh however you can also talk to all of us on our lovely fan discord where we have uh, a fun little kind of message board talking all about the show and films and a huge other range of topics from kind of music to comics to despairing about modern day politics. Uh, and there's uh, a whole bunch of our fans and a really, really nice community that we've got there uh, on our Discord. Yeah. Uh, you can find the link to that on our Twitter page. Uh, it's pinned at the top. Uh, so nice and easy to find. The links for our Discord our social medias, and basically everything, including our merch shop, are all available on sequelizers.com as well. And, of course, I'd be remiss to not mention that you can also find our Patreon page on there as well. And if you want to financially support us, we very much appreciate it. We understand times are tough. You know, we've all been hit in our in our various ways with this fucking pandemic that's going on, all this kind of stuff, and, and you know, money's a problem. But if you are able to, we'd really appreciate your support. We're getting... Ever so close to that MCU special mm. goal of five hundred dollars, which we're very, very excited about because we want to talk some fucking Marvel movies. <laughs> I know Tim is doing a lot of Marvel movie blogging and stuff, and has done with his his pal Alex over the span of the last what year or so, pretty much. Yeah, I think, we, we, like it's slowly getting through the yeah. MCU, uh, yeah. and, and I have many opinions, as I'm sure we all do. Absolutely, oh, yeah. many, absolutely, many ideas. 
So yeah, you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers if you want to support us. Uh, we mentioned this was voted by the patrons. If yeah. you want to join in on the voting, we will open up the votes for next season sometime in the future. Mm. And you can uh, you can get voting. You can support us on various different levels to get bonus content. We recorded a bunch of bonus content, including the debut of my partner, Emma, on the, on the bonus content. So if you want to hear an actual Little Mermaid expert, you can check out the bonus content and check out Emma's opinion on this. Piece of Didn't shit. Cut that all out. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> just, just highlight all and said, nah. Yeah. <laughs> Tim's <laughs> ego is enormous. <laughs> you won't be able to tell, but he's, he's, oh, he's yeah. a monster. Whenever, whenever we always I, say he's the best of us, but he's not. Whenever, whenever I do bonus content, it's just me. Yeah. <laughs> the, the other two How don't know I, I, don't, I don't, they don't, they don't listen to it. <laughs> Too busy. Exactly. And of course, before we finish the Patreon mention, give a shout out to our executive producers, Mr. Jonathan Firth Clark. Golf clap. Mr. Stuart Main. And Mr. Mike Salvia. Thank you very much, gentlemen. We really appreciate your support. We appreciate everybody's support on Patreon. And if you're not able to support us on Patreon, you can, of course, share us on social media, review us on Apple Podcasts, help us get our, our rating up there, give us a five-star review, and all that good stuff. There are a few other ways of reviewing it, but I think, it's, as Tim mentioned before, that's kind of the one that actually trends and actually gets the numbers moving and all that kind of stuff. Um, I know there's other... Um, I really like Podchaser, for example. There's a little uh, podcast review platform. Uh, you can go and review us on there. Go and check that out as well. So, yeah, there's, there's plenty of options for listening to podcasts. Feel free to share us around, including our, our friends over at Stitcher as well. So... Well, thank you very much for listening, everybody. And we will see you next week. You ever thought about reading Under the Sea as like a beat poem? <laughs> Have you got the lyrics up right now? Oh, I can find them. I'll get it right now. Hold on. The seaweed is always greener. It's somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there. But that it's a big mistake. Just look at the world around you. Right here. On the ocean floor. Such wonderful things surround you. What more is you looking for? Under the sea. Under the sea. Darling, it's better. Down where it's wetter. Take it from me. Up on the shore, they work all day. Out in the sun, they slave away. While we devoting full time on flowing. Under the sea. Down here, all the fish is happy. <laughs> As off through the waves. They roll, the fish on the land ain't happy. They sad, cause they in their bowl. But fish in the bowl is lucky. They in for a worse fate. One day when the boss get hungry, guess who gon' be on the plate?
Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip <laughs> off. To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revelhorwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.